Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, The Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. With the sports animals filling in for Bobby Curry. Good morning with the sports animals. The Bobby Curry Show. Gary Dickman and Chris Hart. I was told I'll get to lead off, but I'm already getting interrupted. (laughs) Let's go over some of the. Because we encourage using the English language properly. Uh, Good morning with the sports animals. Good morning with the sports animals. You you see why I jumped in there? You don't. (laughs) okay one national story i think could potentially be a really big one because the buffalo bills as everybody knows has already been proclaimed the super bowl champions to be however not only did the jets beat them on sunday but now there's talk about josh allen with the right elbow injury being evaluated for that ucl injury i hope he's not hurt uh no matter who the player is but if he is well, it's almost going to be like Alabama in college football. Everybody thought they'd be there at the end. Not going to happen. If Buffalo loses Josh Allen for a significant amount of time, if that happens, same thing. Yeah, uh, explain what, uh, for folks who don't know what a UCL injury is, it's some kind of elbow injury. Uh, he um, he yeah. got hit in the game, and then the next time he tried to throw the ball down the field, it looked like kind of a wounded duck, so... Hopefully it's not serious, and I guess we just don't have any other details than that, really, right? He's going to be evaluated today for the ulnar collateral ligament uh, related nerves. Uh, they don't know about his status <laughs> for the Minnesota's game game against Minnesota on Sunday. Just the thought that it's possible. I mean, I would think if you're a Buffalo fan, you are scared right now and hoping yeah. and just praying for the best outcome. Yeah, you certainly are. Uh, Case Keenum has many starting has a lot of starting experience. Um, so it's not like you're going in there with somebody like, oh, I don't know, name me a random backup quarterback. I mean, Case Keenum has had success in the NFL. He's also had lots of failures as well. It's why he's a lifelong backup, but at least he's got some starting experience. Yeah, he does, but he's no Josh Allen. We'll have to wait and see, but hopefully the, uh, the next day or two I feel we'll hear some more news on that. Uh, other news, with it being Election Day, and some people I was talking to recently say, well, there's not really anything they care about that much. But as sports fans, I said you should because we have a new governor coming here, and I wonder what that might do to the new stadium as far as how long and all the good stuff that comes along with that. Yeah, not much to say on that. Um, we have a we have a new. It's election day, and we have a new governor coming. Is the new governor going to? Oh, let's see, tear everything down and start from the beginning, keep the momentum going. What does the new governor have to say now? Uh, whether it's Duke Iona or Doctor Josh Green, 
they've both commented on what they'd like to see in the stadium. I wonder if that sways anybody's vote. Hey, let's vote for the guy who has my who has, who has the best idea for the new stadium. I think a couple of things come into play. One, if it's Duke Iona, does he delay the new stadium in hopes of still getting something on campus instead, which is what he said would he, he'd be in favor of. Mm-hmm. Also, I think whatever, starting today, even though it might have been like that for the last few weeks, whatever Governor Ige says or does doesn't really matter because he's not going to be in office four or five weeks from now. So, I, I, you know, whatever he's going to say, what direction he's going into, if we'll ever hear the exact details, really is almost, you know, irrelevant right now with the new right. governor coming in. So I think that's important. Uh, also, a big headline, and uh, college basketball is back. The Rainbow Wahine basketball team lose a heartbreaker to Oregon State on the road last night, 61-60. to A tie game, loose ball, doesn't go Hawaii's way. Wow. Man. The potential that this basketball team has, because like you mentioned, Oregon State is a pretty good basketball program, uh, according to you. I don't know what their win-loss record was last year, but that is very encouraging news. I just wish we I wish we had more home games, because their next home game isn't until, I believe, for 10 days from now. But I can't wait to get to the Stan Sheriff Center and watch these ladies play. Yeah, they are good. They've got a lot of players back. And when Laura Beeman, the first comment I saw of hers after the game was, as far as the end, and I'll let you guys know exactly what did happen at the end, he said there are probably 10 other outcomes that could have come from that scrum. At the end of the game, it's a tie game. There's a loose ball, and a referee far from the play as the ball goes out of bounds, blows a whistle, and calls a foul on Hawaii. Oregon State gets two free throws with four tenths of a second left. One of them is good. One of them is no good. Hawaii tried a desperation three, didn't go in. but and I, and I didn't see it. I didn't see it. But by Coach Laura Beeman's comments, you get the sense, and you know how I've always said, you don't call fouls at the end of a game if they're close unless they're really obvious. And, you know, that bad, it just sounds like it was a call that didn't have to be made at that point of the game, and that's really tough. Yeah, it is. It is. But you know what? I don't know. Is it bad to say – is it bad to say – it's early in the season. We lost a close one. Let's look at this as a positive. A few years ago, maybe, it's not close on the road for the Rainbow Wahine. Especially, you know, before Laura Beeman. I mean, <laughs> before Laura Beeman was here, we're not going to be close in these games. No, on the road to do that is an accomplishment. It's just that, you know, if you lose the game, you lose the game. But to have the game, again, I, you know, just reading between the lines just a little, sounds like the referees helped take it away from them. And that, that's the hard part to accept. But it shows that they're a talented team. They'll be on the road for one more game. That will be tomorrow night against Portland. And then they'll return home, as Chris said, for the home opener in about a week and a half. But tough loss for them last night. One of the things that stood out, I think, also, Chris, only 10 turnovers in this game. Uh, wow. Against a team from a Pac-12 to only have 10 turnovers, really, really impressive. They also shot a lot of threes, 32 threes. Shot 38%, not too bad. Actually, that's pretty good on threes. Uh, Oregon State only shot 17. <laughs> Field goal percentage, though, is only the same. It's about 37%. That's what hurt them a little bit. But keeping the turnovers down. When they keep the turnovers down, this team almost always wins, as opposed to maybe in the high teens to keep them in the low teens. So, you know, nice nice effort there. Just fell a little bit short. But to show that they could play with a team like Oregon State, and at one point they were up by 13 in the first quarter. They had a really good start to this game. Went on a 16-4 run at one point. Uh, so good job. Uh, hopefully more wins starting tomorrow against Portland. Mm-hmm. And 
Those are the headlines. Today at 1 o'clock, we've got the uh, college football ranking coming out. And uh, I, I, we talked about it a little bit yesterday. Not sure exactly what to expect as far as with all the teams losing this weekend. Uh, so it's going to be something to see where Tennessee goes, maybe a Michigan, uh, and a TCU. Those are the three teams. I think one of those three will be number four. They we're pretty certain certain that it'll be Ohio State uh, in the top, in the second spot. Georgia is going to be number one, and I think Michigan will be number three. It's just a matter of who's going to be number four. But it's going to be fun to see who they have it. And, again, it changes every week. But we're not that far from the play, well, final rankings. And most teams only have three games left. So wow. we are down to the home stretch for college football. So uh, they said to sort, them, sort themselves out. But there's going to be, I think, a change from one to ten from what we saw last week with Alabama, yeah. Clemson mm-hmm. losing. Yeah, I like the uh, I like the fact that it's not, you know, we're not talking about is it possible that – Three SEC teams can get in there. You know, I'm glad to see the Big Ten kind of raise its level of play. I mean, I can't imagine Ohio State even losing a game. And then you've got Michigan and, you know, the 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 personality and story that comes with that team, whether it's the coaches fighting in the tunnel or the players getting beat up in, at their own stadium. I mean, there's a lot that goes with that Michigan. And, and Michigan is a storied program. And to have these guys back in the, the, you know, have them and Ohio State back in the Final Four, I mean, one of them's not going to be there, obviously, because they have to play each other. But at least for now, it's nice to see somebody besides the SEC uh, in, in your Final Four. This will be the first time it won't be either Alabama or Clemson in the playoffs since they started this, and I don't think either. Although Clemson, I guess, they're probably thinking they have a chance. Alabama with two losses, that's never happened with a two-loss team. They're not going to be in the SEC championship game, so I think that would easily eliminate them. Clemson is not in a very tough conference, and they've got that one bad loss on Saturday. I don't even know if they went out if they'd have a chance, but they probably think they do. And the Big Ten, I feel bad in a way for Michigan and Ohio State because the way it's set up right now, I don't think it's almost ever possible for both teams to make the playoffs, even though they're probably amongst the two best teams of the four in the country. You know, with Alabama and Georgia, they're in different divisions. They can always meet for the SEC championship game and both get in. And Alabama and LSU did get in that one time. Well, they played each other for the BCS championship that time. But right. for Ohio State and Michigan, one's not going to be in the championship game the way the divisions are set up. The league, the conference had that division. I don't know what they're going to do when UCLA and USC join, but I just think it's too bad that neither te- both teams will never get in together. And that, you know, I wish there was a way around that, but I don't see it happening. Yeah. And um, anyway, we'll uh, wait and see. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't mind. You know, I don't think it's a, it's going to happen. I don't think they have a chance in heck. I'd love to see TCU win the national championship and just put everybody on their everybody on its ear. It, I mean, it could happen there. I mean, if they win out, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't know if they're going to win the national championship. Well, they could get it to the playoffs. I say that, that, right. Well, I'm yeah, saying I, I want to see them win the national championship. That would be that would be a great story. That would make college football interesting. With this year, you could say it's possible with all the upsets, but I, I agree with what you were kind of saying earlier. Ohio State, first of all, is that good. Georgia did have a test against Missouri about a month ago on the road and really just barely escaped in that fourth quarter comeback with a couple of touchdowns. But they are clearly the best team in the SEC, I think. 
I know Tennessee was as as good, if not better. But on Saturday, even though it was a Georgia home game, you could tell that Georgia was the better team, at least that day. And, you know, Tennessee's still really, really good. But Georgia, with all those losses last year, they look to be one of the best teams in Ohio State. Those two teams, to me, have a little bit of separation, even over Michigan, as far as them being still undefeated. I, I still see – I don't see a weakness with Ohio State. But last Saturday, Ohio State – they only beat Northwestern by 14, 21 to 7. Now, there were incredible wins at that game that made it a little bit tougher still. That, you know, you look at the margin of victory sometimes, and Ohio State's been destroying teams. Not on Saturday. Northwestern is not a good football team this year. But still being undefeated, like you said, it's got to come down to Ohio State and Michigan. The margin mm-hmm. of victories won't come into play. Now, the, what if, if they tie? What if they tie? What do you do? Well, you can't tie. You can't tie in a college football game? No, you have to go to overtime, remember? Right, and then you t- can't you tie after a certain amount no. of overtimes? Oh, no. it's just in the pros? Only in the NFL, yeah, there's no oh, tie. Okay. That would be great, though. That would be great if you could. It would be great if it goes like seven overtime. And you have right. to go for two, I think, after the second overtime. So they try to eliminate the extra amount of overtime right. that some teams get. But what happens if the winner of that game loses in the Big Ten championship? Then I think there's even more controversy, which I love as far as not knowing who's definitely in. Uh, and who I don't even know who would play them. I'm going to look that up to see who would play them in the Big Ten championship game. But things like that have happened as well. So, you know, it's going to be a lot of stuff playing itself out over the next month, which is a big part of the fun there. But Ohio State-Michigan, definitely going to decide which team is nothing else. And you look at the Big Ten, on the other side of the division is Illinois, other conferences, Illinois. Doesn't sound right that Illinois could be playing for the Big Ten championship. Wisconsin is not going to do it. Nebraska has been long out of the picture. Uh, Wisconsin at three and three is not getting in. It looks like it's either going to be Minnesota or Illinois. And I would think right now, even though Illinois, I believe, is still ranked, Minnesota was ranked, that the Ohio State Michigan winner will destroy Illinois. All right. Uh, let's see. We're going to check your traffic in a moment here on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, it is going to be mostly cloudy today. Uh, winds out of the east-northeast. The trades are 10 to 20 miles per hour, high in the mid to upper 80s, depending on uh, what part of the island you're from. Coming up, uh, the biggest headline, Gary Mist on ESPN Honolulu. We'll get into some Utah State-Hawaii football momentarily on ESPN Honolulu. Blake Anderson, the Utah State head coach, is uh, set to join us in 15 minutes on ESPN Honolulu. Jeff Saturday is the interim coach for the uh, Indianapolis Colts. That was breaking news yesterday morning. And Jim Ursay, I was waiting for this. And we said, okay, wait till tomorrow because we want to hear what Jim Ursay has to say and how he defends his decision to hire a guy who hasn't had any college or professional coaching experience. I believe he coached in high school in the past. But, um, yeah, he, he not only does he want Jeff Saturday, Saturday to be his interim head coach, he hopes it's for longer. we got eight games left, and I hope it's many more, he says. This is still a crazy, crazy hire. He said, I'm glad he doesn't have any experience. 
caught up in all that. I'm paraphrasing a little. But what does that say to any other coach in the league? Plus, you have John Box and Gus Bradley on staff. That's kind of a you know a little bit of a shot to them indirectly. But I think this is going to really backfire. Yeah, I really do. I, I hope he, it doesn't. I hope it doesn't. I love it. I mean, I hope it doesn't. I hope Jeff Saturday comes out and, uh, you know, is a great leader. He's on the sideline calling timeouts at the right time, using the clock well. I don't see it happening, but stranger things in sports have happened before. Just that you had these other coaches who have been with this team all season long. And I, I heard somebody last night on radio say, well, Jeff Saturday was at the Ring of Honor celebration a few weeks ago. He's been around the team. He's not been around this team on a daily basis where he knows the ins and outs and what they've been doing. You, you're, I mean, you're only two games out of the playoffs, and I know that's a real long shot for them to get back into that race. Still, what does that say to your fans? It's really like you're giving up tanking, trying to maybe get a quarterback in the draft. And, again, it's outside the box. Some people like that. But to have a guy from the outside, that's never happened as far as I can recall in football. And I've heard others mm-hmm. say the same thing or, you know, reading their tweet. So hire a coach in the middle of a season who has nothing to do on a daily basis probably never happened before. Yeah. I, and I think you're going to run into the problem of the Rooney rule. Now, Jim Irsay has had, has had many African-American coaches, at least two, uh, uh, Jim Caldwell and Tony Dungy, the first um, African-American coach to win a Super Bowl. Um, so hes it's not like he's, you know, trying to hire white people only, if you will. But at the same time, I wonder. I wonder if it's a smart way of tanking. I wonder if it's a smart way to say, hey, you know what? Uh, do the best you can. I trust you. He, he wants this guy around him. He likes the guy. It, it's He's the owner of the team. He can do whatever he wants. I think you are responsible somewhat to the fans but you know i wonder if it's just a a silly way of tanking that's really interesting that would make sense if that was his reasoning behind as a method to the badness and they do need a quarterback uh matt ryan is definitely not the answer i don't think and it's only been one start for ellinger but he doesn't seem to be the answer six round draft pick uh you got to get a franchise guy like an andrew luck that you got and if you're drafting in the top five which I think they'd be right around now. They do have a good chance. And if they lose a few more, they'll definitely be in the top five. Uh, you get a guy, you can get a guy like C.J. Stroud or whoever else you might want out there that's available. And, you know, they do need to do that still. I, I still really, the more I thought about this yesterday with Jeff Saturday, nothing against him. It just doesn't seem right. I know Peyton Manning was backing him up, saw his comments last night. But, of course, oh, good. You know, they're good friends. So that you know, except I, for that one NFL films episode when they were yelling at each other on the sideline, I wonder though if you're going to tank, why don't you just have Matt Ryan as your starting quarterback? Maybe. Well, you, I, I, I don't know for sure, but I would think maybe Matt Ryan still got a little something left. I would actually trust Matt Ryan over Sam Ellinger. Matt Ryan's been there, done seen, that, even yeah. though he's not in his best years, not in the, you know, he's not in the prime or anything like that. He might be able to win you a game or two. And again, I'm not putting it all on Ellinger. And you know, I thought he was good in college, but he's not. He can't be long term either. I don't know. I haven't seen. I actually haven't seen him as a pro, so I, I I can't really comment on that. And I know they got Nick Foles. I believe there is actually on uh, in the on the depth chart. He yeah. actually, I think is number two right now. But you know, you fire your offensive coordinator two three weeks. I think it was two weeks ago. Even though Frank Reich was the one calling the plays, it's just been a mess there for a team that. 
was considered really good. I know their offensive line, as you've stated before, hasn't had the same talent, maybe some injuries, and they're not as effective as they once were. Still, this was the team with maybe the best running back in the league. They had some of the best defensive players, including DeForest Buckner. This was a team that should have been a playoff team for years to come. You know, they didn't have a, you know, a window of an opportunity to go far. And, you know, last season ended horribly for yeah. them. And this year, they've never got on track. It's really something to see a team fall apart like that this quickly. Yeah. Is Shaquille Leonard, is he hurt? I know he was hurt earlier. I wonder if he's back. I mean, that might be uh, a big problem if he's injured. Uh, Tanner is uh, chiming in here via text. <laughs> Thank you for dialing the Zephyr Insurance text line, Tanner. Uh, he says Matt Ryan was hurt, but they said that's not why he's not the starting quarterback. Yeah, they he said whether he's hurt or not, they've said it over and over again, Matt Ryan is not the starter. Right. Um, but, um, yeah, so very interesting, though, to see this. Um, I hope that it doesn't get – because already your interim head coach is the hugest distraction that you've had to face this year. That's what you're going to get in Jeff Saturday. You're going to ask, you know, the players at their lockers and everything else. How's it going, coach with no experience? How's it going, coach with no experience? You guys lost that game. You think it was because your coach didn't have any experience? That's all the players are going to hear from here on out. That's that's the situation that Jim Ursay put his team in, and that's it's a little sad. I mean, basically what this sounds like is I own the team, so I'm going to put whoever I want, and this is my friend Jeff. He's going to be the coach. And, uh, I again, I would love, I would love for this to work out because it will, it will, um, it'll just show people that, you know, maybe it's just, a, it'll be one of the stranger things that have happened in the NFL. When Luke Walton got the head coaching job uh, after uh, being the, uh, um, a fill-in coach, I guess, for the Golden State Warriors, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gary and other people have said, it doesn't matter. He doesn't have any experience and all of that. Well, and that actually turned out to be true in the long run. But how many years did he coach and give an oppor- have that opportunity? Luke Walton was chosen to be a head coach because the guy knows basketball. Yeah. The guy knows he, he's, he's, he's still considered one of the brains in basketball in the NBA. He's a very smart guy. He wasn't able to, you know, do it as a coach, and not everyone's going to be able to do it as a coach. Now, Jim Ursay hires Jeff Saturday saying, he's a tough guy. <laughs> well, there's a lot of – Mike Singletary was a tough guy, but he couldn't no. coach. Right, But that's right. why I would love – I would love because we all see where this is heading, but that's why I'm hoping it turns out spectacularly well for Jeff Saturday because there's nothing anybody will be able to say. Is nobody will be – it won't be a distraction anymore. The questions will be – Hey, you guys won. This is your third straight win in a row. Uh, this guy has no experience. How do you, you know, what do you think the difference is? Positive, positive, positive. Positive answer, positive answer, positive answer. No distraction. If it's bad, it's going to be terribly bad. And then if it works, you'll get Ryan Clark maybe being a head coach, Dan Orlowski being a head oh, coach, yeah. and take all those guys out. You know what's interesting about this? But Bob- see, Dan Orlowski wasn't even like a really a good starting quarterback. I no. mean, did even how many games did he actually start? Probably not that not many. many. Probably right. part of it was he played for the Lions when the Lions were at some, you know, at their worst. But at the same time, I love it. And then they'll be like, okay, uh, Chris Berman, you're you're going to be the head coach of somebody. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's Bob, like people are people are coming up in the league. It's like, well, I don't want to coach. I, 
I don't want to be an assistant coach. I want to be a head coach someday. I'm getting into yeah. television. Right. It's kind of like it, it kind of brings back election day in full circle. Whoever's on TV, let's vote them into office because I recognize their face. That's yep. where we're going in the NFL. That's what I was thinking. The Rock might run for president. It doesn't matter if you have any experience. You know, Bob Kravitz. Well, Ronald the... Reagan ran for president. That's true. That's true. He won it. Well, he was the governor of California before that. Right. That was kind of his warm-up gig. Bob Kravitz covers the Indianapolis Colts, I believe for the Indianapolis Star, I believe. But anyway, he knew it when Frank Reich got fired, and they knew it was coming for a few days. So he wrote up a release in case, because he was traveling back and forth from somewhere, that, that after Frank Reich got fired, that John Fox, they already sent it out, was the new head coach or the interim coach for the Indianapolis Colts, because he figured that was the only way they could go. So he had to backtrack on that and, you know, offer a re, kind of a retraction on Twitter saying, you know, what happened? And he just was stunned that it was somebody other than John Fox, especially with a guy like Jeff Saturday. So even the guys that covered the team on a daily basis were stunned. So, okay, so how do you legally, not, not legally, but I guess it's legally, according to NFL, the NFL rule book, how do you bring the Rooney rule into effect here? So you, you know, say that Jeff Saturday – wins you know five out of the next eight games and you think well maybe this guy's got something you can't just name him your head coach you have to open up the job to minorities yeah but so, so you just told I, you're going to evaluate him after the season and interview him and five others and even though i mean i think teams probably do that already you have somebody in mind but you have to go through the rooney rule deal so you're going to interview yeah. a guy like eric Bieniemy and other minorities just to satisfy that even though you have no intention of hiring them Man, you know what? Not a bad. This is not a bad coaching job. If you can find oh, oh. a quarterback, if you can find a quarterback, you've got a lot of pieces here and really something to work with. You're also playing in the uh, what is it? The AFC South. Uh, yes. I mean, you're playing in the AFC South. That seems to be um, you know a winnable uh, division that you're in too. But uh, anyway, <laughs> hey, the Indianapolis Colts all of a sudden just got interesting. Coming up, we're going to talk Utah State football with their head coach, Blake Anderson. That's on the way here on Election Day on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Coach Anderson to join us here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM, 1420 AM. Remember, tomorrow it's the Rivals Fantasy Football Show presented by Rivals Sports Bar and Lounge in the Waikiki Malia by Outrigger. You can uh, ask our weekly fantasy experts for advice on your team 
win NFL memorabilia, and it's just uh, fun, fun, fun. Learn how to score more than 85 points in one week. Yes. I'm speaking from personal experience. Anyway, uh, Rivals Fantasy Football Show, Wednesdays, 8 a.m. on ESPN Honolulu. Now joining us via the Aloha Kia Hotline is uh, Utah State head football coach Blake Anderson joining us now. Aloha. Good morning, Coach. Good morning. How you doing? Doing well, Coach. Good. Thank you for joining us. And it's been a crazy year in the Mountain West, to say the least. I'm looking at your team. It looks like your team has really turned things around, now winning three out of the last four games. What do you attribute that to? You know, just guys continuing to, to be patient and, and, and grow up. We've got a really, really young, very inexperienced team. Graduated a, a phenomenal senior class and we weren't a very good football team when the, when the season started. A lot of guys that hadn't played before, a lot of guys out for their first trip, and we made a lot of very inexperienced mistakes and, and really silly mistakes. And just little by little, we've gotten a little bit better. I don't, I still don't think we're, you know, we're finished product by any means. We still have a lot of work to do, but we are playing better the last few weeks and found a way to, to get a few wins. Hopefully, we can keep that going. I guess one of the positions, the key position is quarterback. Where you started the season with Logan Bonner. We remember him from last year. Uh, he goes down. Now you have Cooper Lega as your starting quarterback. Talk about the quarterback switch during the season. Well, we've played four of them this, this season, which is not ideal. Uh, Logan came off an ACL and, and was struggling a little bit with that early in the year. And, and, and I think him struggling with the knee and a lot of inexperienced players at other spots, it, it kind of contributed us to not – looking as polished and as good a team as we, we did last year. He actually broke his foot. He's out for the year. Lagos comes mm. in and is playing playing well and then gets a concussion. Levi Williams comes in, gets an ankle and a knee injury, and we end up, you know, finishing and winning against uh, Colorado State with a with a true freshman kid named Bishop Davenport. So we've played all four. Uh, Lagos is back on the field. He was healthy, played this week, found a way to – Help us get a win. He'll be the starter this week, and hopefully we can keep him safe and upright and, and just getting better. Talk about the four quarterbacks that you have. I see that you've had 37 different starters this year, 12th in the country. Hawaii is on that list as well, but you guys have had a lot of different starters this season. Yeah, yeah, we have. We, you know, we, we, we found things last year, kind of kind of caught lightning in a bottle and had a phenomenal season. But with COVID seniors and transfers and, and, and guys that were – uh, you know, kind of finishing up their career. We graduated a super big class. We brought in a lot of transfers. We only had six seniors in this class. So we added five to it. We've got 11. That's a small group. So you're seeing a lot of young guys play. I think we've had 17, 18, maybe as many as 19 freshmen, redshirt freshmen play. As you mentioned, 30-something something guys play their first Division One snap, 37 starters. It's just the nature of trying to grow up and prepare for really years to come. I think this is what we all anticipated when I took the job. I know that nobody saw an 11 and three season in a championship in year one, but I think COVID senior class and some of that kind of contributed to that. This is really the starting process of the build. Uh, we took over one in five. This is what I expected would be the process. So a lot of young guys, a lot of new guys growing them up and building classes on top of classes. I know Timmy's doing the same thing there. A lot of teams, I think, in the league are dealing with some of the same kind of struggles, but we're all going to be better down the road because of the experience some of these guys are getting now. 
Utah State head football coach Blake Anderson joins us here on the Aloha Kia Hotline. Your team is at four and five, three and two in the conference. You have these three games left. Do you look at the big picture as far as being bowl eligible? Because it looks like you'd have to win two out of three to finish six and six. Do you look that far ahead? Well, we just talk about being in kind of a playoff mentality. I mean, if, if a bowl game is something that this group really, really wants, they're going to have to fight to get it. And, and yeah, this would be the next step in that that process. We, uh, you know, just said they're all must wins. I mean, if that's what we want, we want to be in a bowl game. We want to be in the in the conference race somehow. Obviously, need a lot of help from a lot of people, but but all we can control is us. This is a must win. This is take the next step to to get to a bowl game. I think a bowl game would be great for this group. To con- when you look at how many people are playing their first snaps, how many young guys are playing, how many injuries we've been through, I think the ability to get to a bowl game for this group would be a huge accomplishment, and it would be great for us in recruiting, great for the off season, great for the kids. So, yeah, we've talked about it. I want them motivated and fighting hard every week, and I think that's something that's still very tangible that's out there that we can fight for. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's, it, as far as goal setting, it's, okay, this is, you know, we have a goal to uh, to get to. And it, it, like you said, I mean, for the off season, it's great. You, you're, you're heading into the, you know, the new season next year. It's just so much more of a positive. When are you guys coming to town? You know, we're, we're going to practice uh, a very light uh, hour, kind of uh, walk through Thursday morning, get on the plane and fly over. We'll be there Thursday evening. It's not a easy trip. you got to kind of bounce to bounce to get there. So we'll make a trip through Oakland, get off the plane for a little bit and shake our legs, and then eventually get there Thursday evening. Uh, we'll get a good, solid practice in there Friday and, and then clearly try to be as ready as we can 6 o'clock on, on Saturday afternoon. All right. Now, coming for folks who are uh, you know going to the game, give us some guy, kind of key guys to watch for. Who's who's who are some playmakers? Who are some big studs on the team? What should we be looking for for you uh, when we're watching this game? Well, obviously, it starts with the quarterback. So Cooper Lagasse is the quarterback, and uh, he's a kid from here in the valley uh, or, or from uh, the Salt Lake area. So he's a Utah kid, and and since he's come in, he's done a lot of really really good things. Very mobile. A very competitive quarterback that, that can do the things we need to do. Targets uh, outside, you know, Brian Cobb, the Maryland transfers, had a great year. Terrell Vaughn just keeps getting better. And, and Calvin Tyler has had a phenomenal season for us. He missed some the other day, but is expected to be ready to go uh, this weekend. So those are kind of your key guys offensively. Defensively, it starts up front for us with uh, with our edge rushers and Byron Vaughn and Daniel Grisak on the edge. Those guys are phenomenal at getting to the quarterback. We've done a good job of that. Tackles for loss and, and loss yards plays and, and sacks are things that really our defense has prided themselves on. And in the back end, kind of the guy that, that is the quarterback at the back end is, is Hunter Reynolds, a transfer from Michigan that's in his second year starting for us and has had some unbelievable stats. I think midseason was a PFF, you know, All-American, uh, you know, kind of honorable mention second team kind of prospect so he's had a good year and and continuing to play well but you know for us there's a lot of dudes playing a lot of guys that nobody's heard of so we're uh, we're always mm-hmm. looking to see who's gonna who's gonna break out and have a big game offensively it seems like you have a pretty good balance of passing and running to we expect like those kind of numbers on Saturday a 50 50 split well we'd like to be balanced we do I mean that means we got to run the ball well uh, we that was a that was a challenge this past week against Rocky Long's defense I think everybody's kind of felt the same way going up against New Mexico's front 
they do a great job. So we we need to be balanced. It it really to me when we stay efficient and ahead of the chains on early downs, it kind of opens up the entire offense. We like to play fast when we can. Uh, tempo is is a big part of what we do, and you know, it allows us to try to make the, the defense feel uncomfortable. Uh, but uh, you know, balance for us really is kind of what's the defense allowing you to do. That means we got to throw it 60 times. Great. If we got to run it 60 times, that's fine too. Uh, you know that that is dictated a lot by what kind of defensive personality we see, and we're not real sure what we're going to see uh, in, in terms of you know kind of what those guys are going to hang their hat on. We we really have seen a lot of different personalities from Hawaii's defense, so it'll be interesting to see how they defend us. Utah State head coach Blake Anderson joining us on the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia Hotline. I believe I counted five Hawaii high school players, former high school players, on your roster. When you come to town, do you do any recruiting of some of the players still here? No, don't well, do it. We, we, <laughs> we're always going to recruit the island. We, uh, you know, Hale uh, does a phenomenal job up front. Matuapuaka is uh, he is a stable. Uh, a senior, you know, a, a junior leader for us up front uh, on the D line is, is we got his little brother here. You're right, we got a handful of other guys that that played ball there. Uh, so yeah, we're going to continue to recruit. I think the West Coast, I think the Mountain West. If you look throughout our league, there's a bunch of great Hawaiian players here throughout the league. We're no different. So we we're always looking to uh, to recruit. You don't ever stop recruiting. So if you're in town, you're going to take advantage of it. Coach, congratulations, All right. well, Coach. The- thanks. Congratulations on the championship last year. A safe travels here. We'll see you on Saturday at TC Chain Complex. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks. All right. Thank you. That is Blake Anderson, Utah State head football coach, joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline. At Aloha Kia, you know a guy. All right. Uh, let's get a traffic report. We'll have more on this Utah State football team and uh, Coach Anderson. That's coming up here on ESPN Honolulu. Once again, when the uh, football game, I know we're at home this week, but when the football game's on the road, we've got one more road game, uh, you can join us at a select big city diner and enjoy the Mega Modellos and the countdown to kickoff crew prizes and more from ESPN Honolulu. Hey, real quick, want to get our bulletin board in here. And now, if you're noticing some changes, it could be Alzheimer's. You can talk about visiting a doctor together, and and an early diagnosis can give you and your family more time to plan together. Visit alz.org slash Hawaii to find out more. This message is brought to you by Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union and ESPN Honolulu. We were just talking with Blake Anderson, uh, Utah State head coach, and he uh, definitely is, uh, by the sound of his voice, uh, not from Utah. <laughs> right. He's, uh, he, he comes out of Middle Tennessee, Louisiana, Southern Miss, uh, North Carolina. Uh, Arc, uh, his last uh, head coach at Arkansas State. So did it go well for him? At, it must have went well for him at Arkansas State from 2014 to 20, and then he became the Utah State head coach last year. Yeah, and they won a championship last year as well, so a great start for him. I don't remember what well, his record it was, a, was at Arkansas State. Okay, but the, the, the at Utah State, yeah, I don't know. I'm just wondering out loud. But, I mean, Utah State, they go, they have the biggest turnaround in, in, the, in the country. 
They were they were the first ever FBS program to go from zero or one win to eleven wins the following season. How's that for a turnarounder? Very impressive. I mean, it's one thing to do it with a current coach or the same coach, to do it with a brand-new coach, even tougher. I know June did it as a new coach as well when he had that turnaround, but that is pretty impressive. And they yeah. struggled early in the season, as he said, but they've really turned it around. I think beating Air Force was the start of that for them. And they do have Boise State coming up and San Diego State, so they have to go 2-1 and one to be a bowl team. I don't think they'll catch Boise for the Mountain West Mountain Championship. Uh, so a couple of games out, Boise, I believe, is 5-0 and oh in the conference. But being a bowl-eligible team after all they've gone through would be a pretty good accomplishment, as he said. Yeah, one of these storylines is that uh, one of the storylines is that we have not beaten Utah State. <laughs> we have not beaten Utah State since uh, 2010. Coach Mack was the last coach to beat Utah State. Man, remember when Utah State was a bottom feeder? Yeah, I do. It, was, it doesn't seem like it was that longer than Chucky Keaton came on the scene. He's now their running back coach, I believe, and he was the quarterback that got hurt really badly here one year, but he did a great job for them. That was part of their good years for Utah State when he was their quarterback. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, this is, a, this is a team that um, – um, this, <laughs> this is a team that has our number definitely, and it just doesn't sound right. We can't beat Utah State. But who knows? Hey, it's a home game. Anything can happen. They've had some bad games this year. Hopefully they'll have uh, one when they get here to Hawaii. Keep an eye out for number eight. You heard him uh, mention Hale Motua. Oh, help me out, Tanner. It's Tanner's friend from high school. Motu Apua Aka. Did I even come close? I think so. Motua Puaka. Motua Puaka. Hale Motua Puaka. Number eight, defensive tackle up the middle. Uh, watch that guy yeah he was the fire knife champion of the world huh how's that i don't get that guy mad he'd be like nick rolovich who walk out there on the field with a knife (laughs) you know what that happening yeah they've got a kid from Kauai, dust uh dustin ramsayer burdett uh tavo motua puaka i'm not sure how much playing time he gets uh he went to radford his brother went to punahou See, if you're the Fire Knife champion, you go to the private school. <laughs> you get financial aid for being a Fire a champion like that? I, I think so. It makes Flaming Pea a lot more entertaining, that's for sure. The, <laughs> the Flaming Pea ceremony, for folks that don't know, is uh, we have a big P uh, in newspaper and chicken wire, and uh, they light it on fire, and people stand around it. We used to beat up Iolani right before then, so but now we just kind of have to. Watch the intermediate team try their best. <laughs> Don't know what he's talking about, but um, I'm sure that people like that. Anyway. For the football uh, Utah- game before Fleming P? They used to play Iolani and Punahou would play, would, play the, would play a game before Flaming P on homecoming. Up on uh, upper field? Yeah. And uh, now they don't? Yeah, because they're in two different divisions. Oh, Okay. So now you play the the, the, the So now we the just seven. watch the two intermediate teams play and then it's a little sadder because Ilani <laughs> doesn't have a JV. So their intermediate's better than our intermediate by a lot. And oh. uh you know, it's the thought that counts and it's a Are fun get together at the end of the so year. The, so they really go, "Okay, you know what? Let's all rally around the intermediate football I don't team." Th- for I, this I'm one not day? sure anymore. That's how oh. it used to be. Wow. That's great for the intermediate guys cuz nobody 
you know, kind of watches them. Sounds like a good deal. All right, so Utah State uh, coming to town here on uh, ESPN Honolulu, flying in Thursday night. Uh, not exactly a commando raid, but they're not doing the whole let's get here early and get acclimated and go visit Pearl Harbor and that kind of stuff. They're, they're on a business trip. They only need to win two out of the next three. If they can beat Hawaii and San Diego State, which is very doable the yeah. way that they're playing, they'll be going to a bowl game. That'll be pretty good, especially with the way they started this year. Right, can't afford a slip up there. And, and, and they, they're a team that doesn't really have a potent offense. When they look at them, they're scoring 20 points a game. Uh, just like, again, as the coach said, kind of an even balance on running and passing the ball. So I guess we won't you know, see too much of either. They do have five receivers who average over uh, 10 yards a catch. That shows a little bit of talent. Kind of, I mean, Hawaii doesn't have maybe those same numbers, but we've got a lot of receivers that are going to get in action. We had, I think, 12 receivers get targeted last week, but they do have a balanced offensive attack at least. So. Yeah. All right. Uh, we've got our top stories coming up here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. It is election day, so uh, uh, don't forget. Now, most uh, uh, states will be picking a governor today along with some United States senators, uh, U.S. House of Representatives members, and five states, including the Dakotas and Maryland, will be voting on whether to legalize pot. Five states today. We'll see how that happens. All right, we'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. Stories we're following today. University of Hawaii, of course, uh, playing Utah State coming up here uh, this Saturday. And uh, what is the line on this game? You know, I haven't is seen there one a yet. line I checked... on this game? Well, there there will be a line, and I've checked a couple of sites, and there's nothing listed for this game. I know there's got to be one somewhere, but for some reason, don't see it out there in print yet. So, all right. So we're going to get ready uh, for that game. Also, the Rainbow Wahine basketball team loses a heartbreaker. And the final seconds on the road against Oregon State. 61-60 after a tie game. Four tenths of a second left. They call a foul after a loose ball pileup. Uh, Laura Beeman said it could have gone ten different ways. And uh, just shows right there. She didn't want to, you know, get you know, a, a punish or let her reprimand for complaining about the officials, but it sounded like that was a questionable call, especially <laughs> at that point of the game. But the bright side, you played neck and neck with a Pac-12 school that's been really good over the years, and I think that says a lot about our Rainbow Wahine basketball team. 
All right. And uh, Josh Allen, uh, nationally, Josh Allen, Buffalo Bills, is being evaluated for a elbow injury. We don't know really. We don't have the results yet, but I would think that we would find out today. Got to be real soon. And I, at first I thought maybe they're using that as an excuse for why he didn't play well against the Jets and the Jets beat him. But, no, uh, and that's sad. I mean, he, he is such a great player to watch. A leading candidate for the one of the leading candidates for MVP, and more importantly, the Buffalo Bills again, kind of a favorite preseason and in season to go to the Super Bowl if not win it. And without Josh Allen, I know Case Keenum, the backup, might be okay. He's no Josh Allen, so their their season really rests in the health of Josh Allen and his elbow. All right, uh, Jim Ursay did come out today and defend uh, Jeff Saturday, uh, his interim head coach for the Indianapolis Colts who has uh, no college or pro coaching experience. He just uh, inserted him as the head coach and says, he is fully capable. He's a tough guy. <laughs> 12 hours this took, according to Jeff Saturday, to get the deal accomplished from the first conversation to actually saying yes and maybe signing. It's still kind of crazy. Now, Jeff Saturday said that on Monday uh, he was going to hire somebody to call the play because they don't have an offensive coordinator. So, you know, that leads to a whole bunch of questions for this game coming up against the Raiders where you already fired your offensive coordinator two years ago, uh, two weeks ago, and you don't have Frank Reich to call the play. Jeff Saturday's not going to call the play. So, uh, and he that's hasn't be decided. It's just funny. Yeah, he, I haven't yeah. seen anybody. Who's going to call? No, he said, I haven't decided. He's expected to name somebody pretty soon. So Off is that somebody on the start. staff or are you, or are you going <laughs> to just call one of your friends? Hey, yeah. Peyton, what are you doing? I know you got that TV show. Can you come down here and call some plays? <laughs> you know, some people Peyton's suggested like, just, that. Make- Peyton's like, just tell him, say Omaha, Omaha a lot. It'll throw him <laughs> off. Yeah, say that a lot. So, uh, I think it was Albert Breer I heard uh, last night saying that maybe Peyton Manning could be involved with a future coaching situation there. He didn't totally elaborate, but that maybe Jim Irsay would like to get Peyton on board somehow. I think that would have been a better choice than Jeff Saturday. You know, yeah. I mean, I just, again, I think this is really going to hurt them. They're playing a really bad team this week, and the Raiders, who have been really struggling even more so, and it's in it's in Vegas, but that's going to be an interesting game to watch just to see how Indianapolis plays, you know, how, how much different it might look. And, I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think that you're not going to be – if you're Jeff Saturday, you're not going to be stupid about it, of course. You're going to continue with what they've done right now, but what changes might you make, you know, the upcoming, you know, two months before the season ends? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I like what you said in the first hour. You kind of want to see it succeed just to mess everybody up. That'll that'll be the new hot trend. Oh, I would love in it in the NFL. I love yeah, it. I know. I, right. I like that way of thinking too. Well, because everybody, if you listen to the radio, everybody's an expert. Everybody spends so much time analyzing the this and that and why it won't work. And I need to have the uh, final say on everything. And this is what I'm predicting. And you know, what does Stephen A. have to say about this? You know. That's why I'd love to come and go seven and one, seven and one the rest of the season. They're in the playoffs. And what do you have to say now, experts? <laughs> then Jeff Saturday wins coach of the year. I don't think that's going to happen, but it would be funny if it does. And he would win see, at least a copy. Would, yeah, it would win at least uh, interim head coach of the year. <laughs> it's a new award. Have an award for that. <laughs> They really should a rookie head coach of the year. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, it will be something to watch. And this team has fallen so quickly. 
And maybe they're not done. I mean, they could turn, not only turn it around to be a playoff team, but have you ever really seen a team fall apart the way they have from the end of last year to now? I know. I mean, it's really something. Well, part of it is, again, I think part of it is the offensive line. I mean, they're just, part of it is the offensive line. They've had injury problems as well. It's, um, you know, but it looked like Frank Reich was the guy. You know, yeah, yeah. early on, it was like, oh, what a great, you know, he's a he's an offensive guru and everything else. And I'm sure he's, he's a fine quarterback coach and be a fine offensive coordinator. But I think things just went sour. I'm kind of surprised that they gave up on him in the middle of the season. Because, I mean, if you are hiring, you know, we had a conspiracy theory that if you're, you're hiring Jeff Saturday because um, you're, you're thinking that, okay, uh, it's a, a cool way to tank. No one will know. But if Frank Reich's, if you want to tank, Frank Reich's doing that for you already. So, yeah, you so right. So with all of the problems the Colts have had, I don't know that you, I mean, was it the coach? Was it the coach's problem? Or was it the general manager's problem? Who Jim Mersey says, no, he's a winner. But, you yeah. know, you haven't, you, you keep trying to resurrect these old quarterbacks. Who's next? Joe Flacco? I mean, come on. <laughs> It, that's that's Nick who Foles. but that, Nick Foles hasn't done anything in the league since the Super Bowl year, and but he's, he's on tried. their roster right now. I yeah. know, but he's but he's tried. They Nick Foles is not the answer. They don't have an answer. The answer is on Mel Kiper's big board. Yes, and you know this is a team where you know, when you have that much talent and you let it fall apart and i don't think i think frank reich was the fall guy you know you fire the offensive coordinator okay but then frank reich's the one calling the plays. you have the gm chris ballard who a lot of people are surprised didn't get fired yesterday as well what has he done for frank reich over the last year or two he brings in matt ryan we saw what matt ryan did in atlanta the last two years he wasn't the mvp matt ryan he wasn't the super bowl playoff matt ryan he's old and he's not going to be the guy to take them throughout the playoffs. carson wentz probably wasn't that guy he had a good start though a bad finish for them but what did chris ballard do to help this team what free agents did they pick up in the offseason? he got to forrest buckner a few years ago that might have been his best move well shaquille leonard's a you know an all pro uh type linebacker and they've got some good players they've got they have pieces on the team, I believe, um, but yeah, with the G, with the GM, what have you done? I mean, they've put together this team, and all you know, you don't even need a great quarterback. You don't need a Hall of Fame quarterback because you have a good balance on paper. You have a great running back. You've got a couple of good receivers. Good, not great. Yeah. They're not they're not Pro Bowl type guys. But I think they've got, uh, you know, they've got some weapons. They, they certainly do. Uh, that's why I don't get it. And a lot of it is injury. But the point is that uh, I don't get why the GM gets to keep his job. I think he's, unless it's Ursay that's saying go out and get, you know, he's kind of a hands-on guy. He might be the guy that's saying, hey, go out and get, uh, go out and get Matt Ryan. Well, he was the guy who said get rid of Carson Wentz. We know that. Right, so that I know was that. One thing. And that was a mistake, so too, maybe. Yeah. Yep, right? Yep. I, I, Trading him for Matt Ryan, it was a mistake, I think. Yeah. Anyway, no, 808 296 mm-hmm. Our number is 808-296-1420. The Zephyr Insurance text line is open. You can call in as well. There's other news in the NFL. When I first woke up and I see these mentions about Jerry Jones for the Dallas Cowboys talking on his radio show today about Odell Beckham Jr. and how good he would look 
in a Dallas Cowboy uniform. I thought they had signed him. Odell Beckham Jr. is supposed to be cleared within two weeks to resume football activities and play again this season. So there are several teams that have shown interest in him. I guess the NFL doesn't have tampering rules like the NBA. I know he's a free agent. Yeah, he's a free but agent. It just seemed, but but, but it just seemed... Uh, I guess it isn't, but Jerry Jones talking like that, it's almost, again, it's not illegal. I know it's not against the rules, but he's talking about him already being, not all, almost like he was being on the team. And so that would be a big help for Dow. They could use a receiver like Odell Beckham Jr. The Rams could use a receiver like Odell Beckham Jr. The Giants have talked about maybe bringing him back. Green Bay supposedly wanted him. I don't know he, why he would go to Green Bay now as we have a Green Bay guest coming up in a little while. But uh, I was interesting to see what Jerry Jones said. Again, it almost sounded like they had signed him. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if he does sign in the next week or two, knowing did that he's he going say to be cleared his, by mid-November. Did he say it on his – what context was it? Was he say it on his radio show? I mean, what, 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 where did this come from? About Jerry Jones on his radio show, yes. Yeah, so that. I'm sure he's asked about it. But, I mean, it's you know, what he's, he's, he's politicking for him. First of yeah. all, if you're Odell Beckham Jr., you, you – you do not want to go back to the Rams. Um, you know, you, I mean, do you want to go back to New York? Was it a, was it a, uh, was it a healthy split? Did he leave not in a bad way? Different regime, though. I, it seems like, and it shouldn't be the overriding well, factor, it seems like he enjoys the city life and the nightlife, I should say. When he was in New York and after he made that catch, every yeah. couple of days he'd be spotted yeah. at different clubs and with different celebrities and LeBron's his guy now. And they got, they got, Dallas has clubs. <laughs> Dallas but, uh, has clubs. New York, Los New York, Angeles I, has clubs. Oh, Los Angeles. I think New York and L.A. probably have a bigger nightlife than Dallas. Why would you say that? Because it's a big, bigger cities, and they're just full of places like that. Not that there's anything wrong with so that. So is Dallas. Yeah, they, so is Dallas. Dallas has Dallas tons of nightclubs. You know that? How, it's not as big as New York or LA. I, I, uh, one of my best friends lives there that I went to high school with. And, and you've uh, asked him about nightclubs? Yeah, we actually have in the past. It's really? been years okay. since he lived there. Harlan's calling in. Hi, Harlan. Hi, guys. Good morning. Hey. Good Hi. morning. Hope all is well. Yes. Yeah, I just want to do, I, I think the kind of dumpster fire that's going on in Indianapolis is symptomatic of a bigger thing. And I think, I think the really smart um, decision was to go with Jeff Saturday, who has a history of being an offensive lineman, because I think that is really, when, when you're talking about offenses, it doesn't matter how good your running backs are and how good your quarterbacks are and wide right. receivers are. If you can't mm -hmm. block for them, because Basically, the quarterback's running for their life, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, what about the current offensive line coach? <laughs> well, no, it's not necessarily the offensive line coach, but Saturday's in there, and he's primarily an offensive line. I think what they need to do is they need to reassess and maybe retool the offensive line, and that may only be done through you know, obviously trades or draft picks or um, some other some other thing. Um, right. Okay. So, but I don't understand why you can't hire somebody with coaching experience as an interim coach. That's, well, that's, the, that's see, that's what I mean, gets me. I mean, I love it. I love it because it's interesting, but I'm curious about it. 
Right, and he was a, he was a television analyst, and he has you know all of the experience. That doesn't necessarily make you a good coach, though, right? So yeah, I, I don't know. I guess the proof is in the pudding. But if the owner likes you and has confidence in you, I think that <laughs> says something. I mean, it, yeah. it may be it may be a horrible thing, but um, yeah. And you can't and you I, can't blame sure. Jeff I, I Saturday. Hope it works out. Right. Hey, thanks, Harlan. No, Have a great can't. day. Yeah. Oh, we hung up on Harlan. Sorry, Harlan. But uh, yeah, I mean, you can't blame the guy. I mean, it's like, hey, I'll go, head coach NFL. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. I mean, that's a lot of people's dreams. Yeah, I, I don't get to be the head coach, and I don't got to work my way into the job. I just get named head coach. Right. It's a dream come true. Yeah, for him it's great. But what about John Fox and Gus Bradley? What does that say about them? Who are on staff? Maybe they're right not now. very good. Right. Maybe they. He, he's not friends with the owner. But again, any owner who just going to hire a guy because he's friends—that's crazy. I mean, I know you're, you're, you have an interim coach because the season's going so bad. You had to fire the coach, so the interim coach is not really expected to turn things around because you're already admitting or acknowledging that your your playoff chances are pretty much done. So, so why, why don't you just keep the current head coach then? If the interim coach can't turn things around, why not just keep Frank Wright? I, I didn't say the interim. Co- well, that's a good. Po- that's a good point. You, that's why most NFL hiring or firings, excuse me, are right after the season end. You get five, six, seven coaches fired on Black Monday in early January every year. You don't usually get this in the NFL. But the times that you do, you get a guy that can at least have a little continuity and keep some things intact. And I'm again. I think Jeff Saturday is going to do that. But he doesn't know anything about this team from a daily basis, from everything that goes on, even though he's a football player and knows that part, of course. Again, but it also says, what does it say to guys that have been head coaches? If you're saying they're not good, but they're still on staff, because that's what I'm sure they're thinking right now, he has no faith in us. Why would you care if you're Jim Irsay, though? Oh, look, Gus Bradley and John Fox's feelings got hurt. He doesn't care what they think. He's thinking, you know what he's thinking? Hey, you guys want you guys are lucky to have a job right now. I can get rid of you too. Well, who's going to want to play for an owner that's going to treat the coaches like that? I think you might lose it's some a, candidates it, over the years. I think there's only 32 openings out there, and people are going to take them. Why would you ever want to coach somewhere like Jacksonville? Well, because it's a head coaching job. I'm not talking about head coaches. I'm talking about guys like Gus Bradley and John Fox and where they are right now. If you're a coach looking to be a coordinator and get on the staff, you're thinking, wow, this guy gets rid of people, doesn't have faith in us. Well, you know, Why go there as opposed to well, another place where they treat you like – Because there's only, there's only 32 openings in the league for an offensive coordinator. And if you have a job – if you get offered an offensive coordinator job along with the money that comes with it – you don't go, well, this guy didn't treat the last offensive coordinator very well. But if you have a choice of maybe two teams, then you don't sure. go there because of how you're treated. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, or you go to the team like Indianapolis, who in my mind is not that far away from putting this together. They've got the pieces. This is, as I said uh, earlier today, this is a good job. This, this head coaching job at Indianapolis is a good job right now. Right now? You don't have a quarterback, though. Right, right, but you're going to get one. You've got other pieces around it. From all the okay, let's look at um, let's look at uh, teams uh, in the NFL who are probably going to be pretty bad football teams looking for a new head coach. One would should be the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, the Houston Texans. They just got a new head coach, right? Yes, L- Lovey. No, not Lovey. Is it Lovey? Where's Lovey? He's in Houston, I believe. Yeah. Okay. So okay. So 
Uh, they're not going to fire him yet. Uh, Jacksonville's got a new head coach. I'm trying to – Denver Broncos. Yeah. Are the Denver Broncos – Denver Broncos, in my mind, are a pretty good um, – you know, that's a good situation. The Las Vegas Raiders, they should make a change because finally we see that Josh McDaniels is not a head coach. Who knows? Maybe the Washington Commanders. Yeah. I, I don't know. Dallas? Uh, the D- Detroit Lions said they're not going to part ways with Dan Campbell. Who? To Dallas, if Mike McCarthy doesn't win a playoff game again, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go. Wow. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, that would be the if, – if if the Dallas Cowboys' job is open, I mean, if you can deal with Jerry Jones, then that's a great job. You've got the, one of the best defenses. You've got a Pro Bowl-type quarterback. Yep. You've got one-and-a-half good running backs. <laughs> Sean Payton, and I mean, the guy's always And over. apparently Odell Beckham Jr. is yeah, yeah, right, right. It's 20 minutes after the hour here with the animals on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, coming up, a uh, really expensive, a really expensive sports celebration. That's on the way here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Hey, so the Houston Astros, they had like a million people came out for their victory parade yesterday. Did you see that? Yes. Uh, Their clubhouse celebration was no small bash either. Uh, The word is the Houston Astros down the, they, they doused themselves with 250 bottles of uh, some uh, really kind of expensive brand of champagne. I, you know what? I'll give it a shot. Le Chemin du Roy. It's, uh, I guess it's a uh, uh, 50 cent. Remember 50 cent? Yeah. That's yeah. his champagne brand. Right. Uh, 250 bottles of it. Uh, after they finished emptying the bottles on top of each other, it came out to $388,000. <laughs> I saw that. Wow. I never heard a dollar amount for champagne at a victory celebration in the locker room, but I, maybe yeah. that's common. But that that's kind of $715 a bottle or something like that. Is but, that what, I was just about uh, yeah. to do the math. Yeah, that's at $715 a bottle. And they had some wow. other stuff as well on top of that, but that's a lot of bottles they've been dumping. I wonder how much actually got uh, drunk or drank. I don't think you really kind of drink the champagne, do you? Not much. I mean, usually seen in pour, like you said, pouring it over everybody. But I think they take some sip. But I'm not sure. But that's that's a yeah. lot got, of I bottles. Got, I got I got fifteen hundred dollars per bottle. Wow. Yeah, fifteen hundred dollars per bottle. That's, a, that's an expensive. Why wouldn't you just go get some? Um, I don't know. Go go get just. Does it have to be champagne? Okay, I know I'm I dating mean, myself. When go I was... get go get go get some. Pap's blue ribbon and 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 pour it all over each other. It's the same thing. You come out stinky. That's what I was gonna say. When I grew up, I remember most of the celebrations were with beer. I could have like one or two bottles of champagne for pro teams winning a championship. It was mostly beer. Uh, it's gotten a lot more. But now, unless you're Marge Shot of the Cincinnati Reds, the owner, they won yeah. the World Series. And you know what? She splurged on to celebrate the World Series title. She Coke got zero. Out. Well, I think they had diet and regular Coke and hamburgers from the fast food place near their hotel. That's all she got them. Seriously. I remember wow. the Red players complaining about that. They beat the but Oakland see, A's. 
But wasn't she kind of crazy? Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, she wasn't all there in the head. No. Her elevator didn't go all the way to the top, <laughs> right? No, it so, didn't. Right. She, she was a brick. Who thought of these old sayings? They're great. She was a brick shy of a full load. <laughs> it's such old cliches, but they're just so funny to say after all these years. Oh, but she actually got them burgers after the hilarious. That is so funny. Hey, hey, we win. Hey, what do you want, a quarter pounder or a Big Mac? And, you know, supposedly, I, I remember these stories. I just couldn't I'll believe that. I'll have a that. Big Mac. I'll have a quarter pound with cheese, please. Let's go crazy. Eric Davis was the outfielder on those teams. 1990 was the year. Uh-huh. And supposedly she was upset because they swept Oakland. And I guess the way the Baseball World Series goes, if, it's, if the World Series is a sweep, the teams maybe break even. You don't make a profit unless they play more than four games, whether it's the league and or team. So she wasn't happy that they won as quickly as they did in four. That's funny. You know what? That's See, that's a movie right there. That's a comedy right there. It's like, uh, you know, I know it's the wrong team, but you can, you know, it's Major League. How many Major Leagues that? Three? Major yeah. League Four. Starring Charlie Sheen, the Mard Shot years, right? <laughs> and the dog's got to be there. Yeah. I, I forget I the went, dog's name. Uh, is it just one? I thought she walked around with a couple of St. Bernard's yeah. or something. I think it was a couple. I think it was a couple. Yeah. Anyway, there's got, I wonder if there's other other owners, crazy things that sports franchise owners do. I mean, that's a great book right there. That's a weekly podcast. Well, there was one famous one. They made a 30 for 30 on it. Now, it involves hockey, but not on the ice. There was an owner, John Spanos, who bought the New York Islanders. The only problem was he lied about all the money he oh, yeah. had. He had like $10,000. Well, that was about that was in the like, 90s. I think it was in the 90s. Oh, I thought it was like, because I remember you talking about it a few years ago. Yeah. Okay, so 30 for folks 30 who don't know, because nobody follows hockey, I'm just, I'm just making hockey people mad at me. But uh, to tell the story. He was a businessman out of Texas, and he basically wanted to buy the New York Islanders who were up for sale, probably mid-90s or right around there, and he falsified documents. Like, he would go and get some kind of a stamp from the bank in Dallas and somehow get that faxed. I think they were faxing contracts back and forth, and he had to make a deposit at one point of $300,000, and he made a deposit of $30,000. And when asked about it, he said the bank screwed up, and he kept dancing around that for a few months. But uh-huh. they needed a new owner, and he was, I went to a game where he would walk around the concourse just taking pictures and signing autographs. The fans wow. loved him because he uh-huh. lied about all the things he was going to do, and he had no money. He didn't have a private jet. He had all these things that he said he had, and he lied. And there's a 30 for 30 on I don't know the title, but that's what came out a few years ago. Finally, they realized after a while that there was no money there, and the more they <laughs> that they weren't back-checking or fact-checking everything, he lied they about. They weren't vetting him. They weren't yeah, vetting him. Yeah, and they, they, when they finally realized the money's not there and he keeps delaying it, they realized <laughs> it was all a bunch of garbage. How are you, how are you ever going to get around that if they let you buy the team? I guess maybe he thought he would get enough in revenue to keep paying it off and – or he's just I'm gonna I'm gonna ride this ride as long as it goes. So how long was he the quote unquote owner of the New York Islanders? Probably two months, give or take a week or two. And oh, it was yeah, best two months of his life. Now did he go to jail? Yes, he, he went to, to jail. He did go oh, to jail. It yeah. was. I hope it was worth it. I'm <laughs> what, sure he's you're out. disappointed that he went to jail. <laughs> yeah, this is another great movie. Major League Four, the Major League Five, the hockey years. But I mean, you know, he had the he had the ultimate life, and he, he he you know he probably knew he was going to end up in jail, 
But and I'm sure he's out. I mean, sure he didn't yeah, spend I think much he time out. there. Yeah, he, he, yeah, I don't know how long I get. To and, it was, and he was like bank fraud, so he went to a cushy federal prison. I'm guessing. Probably, but still, I mean, his his career, whatever career he tried to would hope to have getting out would be shot. I mean, who was ever going to trust him again? I mean, it kind of ruined hey, his life. I bet he's rich. He's an entrepreneur. You know, the guy's a, the guy the guy thinks outside the box. I'm he sure, sure he's did. doing fine. I'm sure he's doing fine. <laughs> That'd that be great. That'd be a great follow-up story. Where are they yeah. now? I'm going to try to look into that today because I mean, it was inc- the fact that that actually happened—that somebody could go that far into the process. Again, that was, that's hard to do. You'd have to be really good salesman, I guess, to get that far. Right. And I mean, if he can sell himself like that, he can sell anything. Probably could. He, he can sell ice to an Eskimo. It's uh, 7:31 with the sports animals. This is ESPN Honolulu. We're going to check your surf weather-wise today. Mostly cloudy. They say, yeah, looks like it. High in the mid-80s today, trades 10 to 20 miles per hour. We'll be back with Andy Herman from thepackerreport.com. Talk some Green Bay Packers on E. Oh, that's going to be a depressing subject. That's coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. Pretty much for the last several years, every time we've had our next guest on, we're talking about the success of the Green Bay Packers. Not quite the same this year, but we're going to get into it now as we are joined by the owner of the Packaday podcast and the writer and editor of the PackerReport.com. Andy Herman joins us via the Aloha Kia hotline on ESPN Honolulu. Andy, great to have you on again, but every time we've talked to you, it's about the Packers and getting ready for the playoffs. Three and six right now. How do you evaluate what's taken place this season so far? Yeah, no talk of playoffs right now. I uh, appreciate you uh, having me on as always. But, but yeah, it's tough to evaluate kind of what's going on. I was, you know, I mentioned out on Twitter, you know, you look at about a month ago, this team was playing in London. They were up by double digits on the New York Giants. They were three and one, looking to go potentially four and one. They had the Jets in the Jets at home, Commanders on the road with the opportunity. You know, at that point, you're thinking, all right, this team's probably going to go six and one, and they're going to probably coast into another playoff berth in a weak NFC. And then the second half of the Giants game happens, the Jets game happens, the Commanders game happens, the Bills game happens, and then the Lions game, which really felt like a dagger for this 2022 season. Um, this is just quite frankly a team that's not very good right now. You try to pin something on what their identity is or what they do well. You can't find anything. They're an okay defense that's playing against the eight ball because their offense can't do anything. Their special teams is minimally improved from one of the worst special teams ever a season ago, uh, but still making mistakes at inopportune times. And then this is an offense that is basically completely inept, um, basically putting up 17 points per game, has no identity, and just looks like a shell of themselves from the past few seasons. You know what they need? Jeff Saturday. <laughs> Problem solved. Everything would be fixed. Exactly. So what, what, how is this happening? Why is this happening? I know they don't have Devontae Adams, Martin Valdez, Scantling. Scantling is over in Kansas City. Nathaniel Hackett is gone. Is it, a, is it those guys or more? How could they suddenly go from where they were 13-3, and three, two consecutive years, Aaron Rodgers, back-to-back MVPs, to being kind of like a lottery team? Yeah, it's, a, it's an accumulation of all of it. And, you know, losing some of the coaching staff, losing MPS, losing Devontae Adams, 
especially Adams, clearly a very large part of this. But it's, it's, it's so much more than that. So you first of all have a team that lost some key players, specifically Devontae Adams. Uh, they brought in, uh, obviously, some rookies in Devontae Wyatt and Quay Walker, uh, Christian Watson, some guys in the first three rounds, Sean Ryan. Their return on investment on those players has been very, very minimal. Quay Walker is starting, but he's been up and down. Some, you know, some quality play, but certainly some mistakes as well. Uh, Devontae Wyatt's given them nothing. Christian Watson's been in and out of the lineup with multiple injuries. And Sean Ryan's given them nothing. So uh, they haven't got the return on investments on their rookies. A lot of guys that they were expecting to take a second-year jump, guys like Eric Stokes looks much worse than he did a season ago. Roy Newman was a starter last year, had to get benched because he just, like, it was a complete collapse on his side of the offensive line any time that he was in. Um, and just, like, you know, even guys like uh, John Runyon Jr., who had a great season last year, not performing up to expectations, and then some guys really falling off a cliff, including, you know, Adrian Amos, a safety, and, of course, Aaron Rodgers, just not playing anything like he did the past couple seasons. Clearly things not going great around him, but when you have a rookie class that's not delivering, a free agent class of Sammy Watkins and Jerron Reed that, you know, not a ton was expected but is not delivering, you've got veterans that are aging faster than your, you know, rookies can come and play at a higher level. Like, it's just, it's all bad right now. Andy Herman is the owner of the Packaday podcast, again, with also with the PackerReport.com, joining us on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. I want to talk about a couple of players that you are just talking about. One, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I mean, he signed a big contract in the offseason. A lot of people at the time thought maybe he wasn't going to come back. Maybe he would go to Tampa or, somewhere, or Denver. In hindsight, is Green Bay okay with his performance this year? How does his future look? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be uh, the more than million-dollar question moving forward, right? Because this Aaron, this Aaron Rodgers contract is extremely exorbitant moving forward. And no matter what happens, if he retires, if they release him, if they trade him, there's a massive cap hit awaiting the Green Bay Packers because they kept moving his salary cap hit basically down the road to try to win right now. So, you know, Rodgers is going to have to make a decision on if he wants to continue to play. And then if he wants to continue to play, Green Bay is going to have to make a you know, determination as well of, hey, do we continue to go in this direction or is it time to try to open up a new window? Do they want to see what they have in Jordan Love, et cetera? So I think the, one of the real difficult things for Green Bay is, like this was, I know last year there was so much made about, all right, last dance and all-in sort of season, but they basically brought it back and they tried to do it again. I know they traded Devontae, but there was a lot of hope that this defense was going to be a lot better and that they were going to be able to get by with Rodgers and Matt LaFleur leading this offense. That hasn't come to fruition. They borrowed a ton of money from future salary caps and you look down the road, and things are probably going to get better before they get worse. Another player oh, I want to ask get you about. Worse before they get better. Yeah. Romeo, <laughs> Romeo Dubs, rookie wide receiver out of Nevada. We got to see him play against Hawaii the last few years. I thought he had a pretty good preseason, maybe an early, good early start. I'm thinking he might have gotten hurt at one point. How has he looked overall? Yeah, he just uh, suffered a high ankle sprain this past week, oh. went out after catching a, a pass on the first play. So he's probably going to be out for uh, a few weeks at least here. But, you know, prior to that injury, um, he's probably been one of the lone bright spots. Now he's going through the, the rookie lumps as well. Uh, there's times where he's not in the right spot. He had a, uh, an opportunity at a phenomenal catch for a touchdown one week that he, you know, couldn't control through the end zone and through the ground and ended up being a drop in a big situation. So, there's been some issues with Romeo, but there's no question. He's been probably the bright spot for the Packers so far. Um, shows consistency, getting open in routes, has the ability to win deep, um, strong hands, just really fun player, and uh, has a really bright future in Green Bay. A week ago, we had the trade deadline. Green Bay was not active, but I understand they thought they had a deal in place for Chase Claypool, but it fell apart. Can you talk about that a little bit? 
Yeah, so if you kind of put the puzzle pieces together, it sounds like Green Bay was offering their second-round pick for Chase Claypool, basically had a deal agreed upon, and the Bears called, and they had just received a second-round pick from the Ravens for Roquan Smith, and they called the you know the Steelers and said, hey, we'll give this Ravens second-round pick uh, for Chase Claypool, and basically the, the Steelers said, no, we have a better offer than that, and the Bears thought they were out of it, and then the Bears called back and said, hey, we'll trade you our second-round pick. Um, and at the time, uh, it seemed like the Bears would probably be worse than the Packers. So, uh, the you know, they hedged their bets a little bit. The Steelers decided to go with the Bears pick, and uh, now it'll be interesting. I'm not so sure which team ultimately ends up with the worst pick between Green Bay and Chicago, but uh, that'll be worth monitoring for the rest of the season. But <laughs> they decided to take the, the Bears pick instead. We have heard so much and seen a lot about the Green Bay Packer fans, Lambeau, and all its history. What is the culture or the mood like right now in Green Bay with the fans realizing this team is not going 13-3 and and they're probably not going to the playoffs? Yeah, I think there's a, a little bit of, of shock because, like I said, just less, literally less than a month ago, uh, this team was at 3-1, and one, winning against the Giants at halftime, and everything was at least sort of trending in the right direction. There were there were errors and mistakes and things that needed to get cleaned up. It wasn't a clean operation through their first four games, no question about it. But uh, at least it was trending in like, all right, they can still get things fixed as the season goes along and they'll still be a playoff team. To then suffer a five-game losing streak. And remember, Matt LaFleur had not lost back-to-back regular season games in his three years coming into this season. So, like, not only a, not a losing streak, like, not even a two-game losing streak at any point in his first three seasons. So, now all of a sudden, lose five games in a row, including to the Detroit Lions, who might be the worst team in football, uh, and only putting up nine points of offense against easily the worst defense in football. Uh, there's a lot of concern, a lot of angst, and, I, like I said, a lot of surprise from Packer fans right now. They played Dallas this week. If they lose a few more games, do you think they'll actually take a look at Jordan Love with some games left in this regular season? I guarantee you they would want to. Um, How they can pull that off is probably a little bit more complicated. You know, is it Aaron Rodgers' last season? Do you want him to have to go out getting, you know, kind of benched for Jordan Love so that they can get a look at him? But there's really not much more to accomplish once you're eliminated from playoff contention other than getting a look at some of these young players and seeing what they can do moving forward. And there's there's not a 0% chance here that the Packers could have a top-five pick in this draft. I mean, the next three weeks are Cowboys – Titans, Eagles. I mean, th- there's a good chance Ouch. they go 0-3 through that. Yeah, very much so. So, like, th- this team could have a top-five pick, and the worst thing you could have happen is all of a sudden one of those top quarterbacks is staring you in the face, and you can't make a real great educated decision because you haven't even seen Jordan Love on the field yet. So I guarantee they want to. You know, maybe they can say, hey, Roger's thumb is bothering him worse than expected. We're going to shut him down for the season, and it saves space for everyone. Um, but that's really one of the long things that they can accomplish the remainder of the season is actually getting a look at Jordan Love. See how it plays out. Not been a fun year, unfortunately, for the Packers, and we'll see how the future plays out for them. Andy, always great talking Packers football with you. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. Have a good one, guys. All right. Thank you. And that was Andy Herman. Again, he is the uh, writer and editor of the PackersReport.com and the Packaday podcast. Joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline. See ya in a Kia. Love the name of that. Uh, love the name of the podcast. It makes me want to have a cigarette for some reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, if they imagine that. OK, so you're out of the playoffs. And you're like, hey, uh, Aaron, we're going to shut you down. We want to take a look at Jordan Love. Don't you think that Aaron Rodgers should understand that's kind of what you do? 
I mean, I, I, I picture him, you know, kind of being upset and threatening to, you know, a bunch of things. But for the good of the team, we want to be able to see this guy play. For the good of the team, it would have been better if maybe he took a little less money or deferred the money. Maybe he could sign some other free agents after or losing Devontae Adams. Or he showed up in OTAs. Yeah, that would have been nice, too. I mean, he has to take a lot of the blame. You know, yeah. people, he's always talking about the young receivers and, you know, they got to learn to catch the ball running around. And of course, I didn't see the game on Sunday, but I saw enough highlights and I read enough about it where he does, he was getting a, a criticism for his passes just way off target. And you, you can blame the offensive line a little here and there, but he is not having a good year just on himself. Besides, he's got some issues without Devontae Adams and other receivers. Still, he hasn't helped his own cause at all. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'd hate to have think that, oh, the reason – He's in the Hall of Fame is because of Devontae Adams. It should be, you know, and, and, you know, who does that, though, when you're, and I, I know I've kind of stuck up stuck up for him before, but now I'm seeing the results of his actions by not showing up when you got a bunch of new receivers. Yeah. Instead, you just come out in the preseason or in the beginning of the season, I don't remember what it was, and, oh, the receivers, uh, you know, they, they, you know, they're, they're bad. A couple of weeks ago on somebody's podcast, hey, you know, maybe we got to, you know, maybe we got to cut some people. Maybe some people need. It was always someone else's fault, yeah. and that's why this last press conference that he spoke after the game, he didn't take responsibility for it, but he also didn't throw anybody else under the under the bus because that's kind of what Aaron Rodgers does. He's it's why I don't think he's that popular of a guy. I mean, sports fans aren't. Yeah, I love the guy. You know what? We love Peyton Manning. He's funny. Peyton Manning's a leader. Aaron Rodgers, to me, is not a leader, and you should be as a quarterback. Yeah, I, I, that's a good point. I think even Tom Brady's become pretty likable, you know, off the field with some of the things and social media. Right. Now, Aaron Rodgers doesn't seem to be that kind of a guy where you really, you know, you can be a fan of his football play, of course, but he doesn't seem to be the guy who's made that transition like some other quarterbacks. He's got a lot of uh, quirkiness to him. Well, he's 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 he look he talks down to people. He talks down to the press. He talks down to the fans. He puts himself on a pedestal. R-E-L-A-X. Come on. What a stupid question. All right, uh, 12 minutes in front of uh, 8 o'clock with the Sports Animals. We'll get another traffic update here in a sec. want to let you know it's uh, Call the Coach with Timmy Chang tomorrow at Ruby Tuesday, Moanalua Shopping Center. Come on down and join us, won't you? We've got uh, great specials, uh, great pasta deals. they got a pasta special going on at Ruby Tuesdays uh, this month. And uh, you can join us down there. You can watch on our social media platforms or go old school and actually listen to the show on the radio. It's brought to you by Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union, PAXA, Ruby Tuesday Hawaii, IBEW Local 1186, Hawaii Pacific Health, HGEA, and Hawaiian Financial Federal Credit Union. I've never, I've never seen anything like this before, and I didn't know that this was possible. It's election day, and uh, in Oregon, they're, they're always kind of a step ahead in Oregon. They really think outside the box. You know, they're like, hey, we'll make marijuana legal. Someday it'll be legal in most states. No, it won't. Oh, well. In Oregon, some people are voting for 
more than politicians uh, this election day. There are two eastern counties. Counties, They're deciding whether to stay in Oregon or join Idaho. The, the ballot measure is for exploring the idea, it's to explore the idea, of leaving the state. I guess there's a lot of people, they're, they're not happy with Oregon's gun laws or taxes, uh, crime, things like that. Now, nine other counties, nine other counties have already voted to split and join something they're calling Greater Idaho. So if this happens, Oregon would lose about two-thirds of its land to Idaho. Idaho would be this great big state. I didn't know you could just vote to leave. Idaho is a better TV deal than Oregon. It's just like jumping <laughs> conferences. That's crazy. And the Why land not? amount you just said, I, well, first of all, we've never heard of anything quite like that. I mean, it's one thing for colleges to jump conferences. States can't, you know, do that. Cities can't do that. Why can't they? They voted and they said, hey, we're a part of Idaho. You know what? You're going to get more. Idaho will have more electoral votes. I mean, this is this is a big deal. I thought who Hawaii. We, okay, since, you know, we don't have a stadium, who do you think we should join? <laughs> yeah. Right. We should join a state that, ha- that already has a stadium. <laughs> I thought Hawaii was the only growing state in the country. That's the big island with the volcano. You know, he keeps adding land every how many years or whatever. But I guess I guess Idaho's in the same situation for a little different reason. Yeah, I mean, de- definitely we don't join California. That place is a mess. But why don't we join Montana? You know who we join? Louisiana. How about Arizona? We, be- we become a part of Louisiana. Because they've got the Southern spirit. We have the Aloha spirit. It's a good match. Nevada. We get legalized gambling finally. (laughs) (laughs) The only way. It makes sense. We are now, you know what? Maui, Hilo, you guys can have them here on Oahu in Honolulu, Honolulu County. We're moving to Vegas. That's just how it is. All right. Coming up here on ESPN Honolulu, our top stories. And Gary has, uh, he's promises. Uh, something very fun uh, about Sylvester Stallone. Oh, I yes. can hardly wait. That's coming up with the Sports Animals. This is the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't. You know what? Hold off on the top headlines. I can't wait for this Sylvester Stallone story that I've been uh, told is going to be really, really amazing. (laughs) I didn't use the word amazing. I said you'll like it, and it's pretty funny. Okay, and you'll get a kick out of it. There's two parts of it. One, he was doing an interview because he's got this new show on Paramount called He is the Tulsa King, I guess. I don't even know what it's about, but I've been reading about it. So he's been doing the inter- these interviews. He's been on talk shows. And the first thing he said was Arnold Schwarzenegger back in the day played a trick on him. He set him up. There was talk going around that Arnold Schwarzenegger really wanted this role in a movie, and he wanted to get it badly. Sylvester Stallone found out about it and beat him to the punch. It was called Stop or My Mom Will Shoot, 
which turned out to be one of the worst movies of all time. And Schwarzenegger recently in an interview said, yeah, I did that on purpose. We were rivals, so I wanted him to know that I really wanted the part so he would go after it and knowing it was a really bad movie, which it was. The other thing... Uh, that's a, gr- a great story. I'm just cracking up. Oh, you, you were going to say that, and, and I'm and not you, done. You know what? You know what? Stop or my mom will shoot was cinematic excellence. Well, that was a great movie. That says Come a lot on. about you. Well, that's not that's, that's only that's Stallone a, does not make bad movies. Period. Ooh, that's a subplot, so to speak, or a sidebar to the story. The the part that I thought you would find interesting because I know you're a Rocky fan and a Rambo fan. He said back in the '80s, he was offered then thirty-four million dollars to do Rambo three, and he turned it down by computer or analysis, whatever, it would have been $85 million in today's market. $34 million in the 80s, and he said, no, no, it's, it's, I can't do that. It's, it's, it's the wrong decision. I can't make another Rambo movie. And in hindsight, he realizes what a fool he was to turn that down. Well, and he ended up making another Rambo movie. That's the thing. I thought there was a Rambo 3, but he said he turned it down in the 80s for $34 million. Maybe when he made it later, he got less money because he, he was offered $34 million. Yeah, there was one where he's John Rambo and he's uh, he's hanging out and he's protecting his granddaughter and he lives on a farm. It's on Netflix or or uh, Amazon Prime or something. You never saw it? I don't know if I don't th- I know I saw Rambo two. I I don't remember if I I don't think I saw Rambo three. If I did, I have no memory of it at all. Yeah, so it was yeah. There's a, there is another uh, and it's pretty good, pretty good. I thought it was pretty good, but, but then again, I like Stopper. My mother will shoot you. Do you really like that movie? I saw parts of it I couldn't watch that was anymore. Fun. It was fine. It was, uh, I like, you know what, I, I like snakes on a plane. I thought that was good. Ooh, that says a lot about it. He said the idea of Stop or My Mom Will Shoot is supposed to be basically a, almost like a remake or Throw Mama from the Train with Danny DeVito. I never saw that. Oh, that not was big, okay movie. Not a big Danny DeVito guy. Well, he's not big. Although Silver Streak starring Gene Wilder and, Gene, uh, uh, and uh, Richard, Richard Pryor. Pro- that was good. That, that was excellent. That was good. <laughs> All right, let's go to the top headlines. Uh, Jeff Saturday is the interim coach of the Indianapolis Colts, and Robert Ursay, the owner, defended his uh, hiring, saying he's fully capable and he's tough. So did Jim Ursay, his son. He actually what did I say? Robert. <laughs> Wait, who, is he with us still? I don't believe he's with us anymore. Jim Ursay. Yes. <laughs> I'm looking at something that says Jim Ursay, and Robert comes out of my mouth. Jim Ursay says that uh, he's really tough and he can do it. <laughs> it's almost comical, you know, his description of this, and I'm glad he's never coached before. He's tough and he can do it. Yeah, that's why there's nobody else that is tough I mean, and can do it. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing. But he did uh, say words like that. That's what I, I read his comments. Right. They were funny. All right, they were and, funny. Uh, Thank you for the text at 808-296-1420 to the Zephyr Insurance text line from Larry Brown Sports. We got a text. And this is what uh, Peyton Manning says. I was surprised. I didn't know anything about it. Well, what is he going to consult you, Peyton? Stop. He says, I talked to Jeff. It's a big challenge. Jeff's made made of the right stuff. He was the ultimate teammate. My locker was right next to him. He's a high-character guy. He's a great leader. He goes on to say that he's going to have to rely on these players to get him comfortable and try to get a win there in Indianapolis. A win there could solve a lot of things. Hopefully he can get there and help the Colts get turned around. Anyway, Peyton Manning's thoughts. Yeah, I wonder what DeForest Buckner, you know, 
frequent guest on our show thinks about this, or any of the other players for that matter. And I mean, they, again, they scored three points Sunday against New England. That seemed to be the final straw, the camel's back, to use a cliche. They were just really inept. But they've been like that most of the year. The defense hasn't been that bad. Maybe not as good as you thought, but the offense has been MIA, basically. Jonathan Taylor, yeah. when healthy, has not done well for the offensive line reasons that you gave earlier. The quarterback play has been awful. And, again, you get three points against a New England team that's not really that good this year. Uh-huh. And that was, uh, the final, that was it for Frank Reich. And I don't know if Jeff Saturday is going to be able to turn this way. Maybe, maybe they get a little bit more motivation or they just feel like, you know, a different voice will be heard and that can do things. You hear that sometimes with teams. You've lost the voice of the, the – he's lost the locker room with the not listening to me, yeah, like Steve Nash said last week. So let's just hire somebody who's my friend. Yeah. I don't, yeah. You know what? You, you wonder what DeForest Buckner is saying. DeForest Buckner is saying, well, I just signed a $44 million contract, so whoever. <laughs> yeah, maybe. maybe but Whatevs. I, 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 I bet they were probably a little surprised. Oh, I'm not, sorry. I'm sorry. $84 million contract. $48 right. million is guaranteed. $84 million. Yeah, he'll be okay. He'll be okay. But, you know, again, they were so we talked to him over the summer, DeForest, and they were so close to going to the playoffs that, you know, obviously hurt everybody to be that close and almost guaranteed to go in, and they don't. Now I'm, they're just almost, you know, again, they're a lot lottery team, basically. I would have I basically stayed with Carson Wentz. I mean, it was going bad the second half of the season. I get it. But could it be any worse than this? No, and it wasn't going bad. I don't think it was going bad the whole second half. It was the last three games, I think, or three out of four they lost. That The whole offense looked bad. But before that, again, they looked like they were going to the playoffs. Right. You know, just, again, the Jacksonville game, of course, was, you know, the last nail in the coffin, the last game of the season. They would have made it if they, didn't be, if they would have beaten them. All right. Other uh, top headlines, uh, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and other controversial baseball players are in the uh, final eight. Uh, the Hall of Fame Barrett ballot. We'll find out in January. I think it's a, a January or late December who gets in. I hope Don Mattingly gets in. Uh, I think. Well, he here's deserves- the, here are the folks on the final okay. eight. Okay. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling, Rafael Palmero. Uh, let's see. That's an, uh, Albert Bell, Don Mattingly, Dale Murphy, and Fred McGriff. You know Fred, who's missing? Who? Sammy Sosa. Yeah, I think he. I think his eligibility was up, even though it seemed like it was kind of fast for that to happen. I don't know why. Well, you know, if you don't get enough, yeah, if you don't get a higher uh, certain percent of the votes over a couple of year period, you're dropped from the ballot. That's what it is. Right. And you have to get seventy five percent to get voted. And you know, Albert Bell's an interesting one. He played mostly with Cleveland. Played for Baltimore at the end. He was a great, great hitter. I don't believe he was ever accused of PEDs, but he was also a guy that treated the media really poorly. When he did talk to them, he Who, was Sammy? Al, no, Albert Bell. Oh, oh, he, really? Yeah, he had. There was stories about him, and I'm trying to remember some of them. But even a couple of stories with fans. I, I th- th- things happened in his career off the field that I don't think uh, really, you know, really got him in the good graces of some of the voters. That shouldn't be a reason why he doesn't get in. He was a really, really good player, and I hope he does. But. I wonder if he does because of the media. You know, if they don't like it, they're not going to vote for you, even though that's really a bad reason not to. The um, I did not know that. Okay, part of the problem with, okay, so Kurt Schilling, 216 wins, three 300 strikeout seasons, 11 and two record in the postseason, three World Series titles. I mean, that sounds like I'm talking about a Hall of Famer. Bloody sock and all. He is. He should be yeah. a Hall of Famer. He should. Yeah. Be. So after he retired, 
I did not realize. I thought it was just a political thing of being, like, Republican or something. But uh, he made hateful comments towards Muslims, transgender people, and journalists. So, he, yeah, you don't want to talk bad about the journalists. They'll, they'll take it out on you. He got a lot of controversy. I think Steve Carlton was off the Hall of Fame Hall of Fame ballot for not off of it, but not getting voted in because he really treated the media poorly. One of the guys that I think should be, and I was reading about this last night, Keith Hernandez for the New York Mets and St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, he had a really good career. I don't get some of his numbers right now. I can't believe he's not a finalist. There's, there's no reason for that. Keith Hernandez, and uh, let me get this here in just a second. While you're doing while yeah. you're doing that, Barry Bonds last time got like 66% of the vote. You need, like you said, 75% of the vote to get elected. Do you think Barry Bonds will see, receive even more the farther we get away from his playing career that – People are kind of accepting that his head grew really big and his feet grew at the age of 30. No, nobody's going to believe that, but I think in time, every year he'll get a little bit more because I think the further we go along in time, that's we what I'm forget. saying. That's and, that's my question. And is, they don't is, hold do it against think, him, right? Uh, the farther we get away from his playing career, the more popular he becomes again. I don't think it's going to be that more popular. I think people will kind of forgive and forget, and maybe yes, forget that's even what I, more so. Popular uh, is what I was using. Now, Roger Clemens. Um, you know, 65% of the vote he got. So what do they have against Roger Clemens? He was do, he was doing PDD, PEDs as well. I mean, he got he was in one of those hearings, and he got caught basically lying. Yeah, he was I, using yeah. as well. But everyone was using. They were in the PED era. I, I think they all should get in. I think I'm not going to mention Pete Rose, but that's a different topic. All the PED guys, you can put it on their plaque if you want, put an asterisk, whatever, but how can you deny what they did on the field? You can't, and there's no way to measure how much it helped them or not. You know what? You know what's even crazier? Say that these guys, uh, Bonds and Clemens, get in, and somebody like Albert Bell and Kurt Schilling don't get in. It's like you can do PEDs and cheat, but if you treat journalists poorly, you're not getting in. Wouldn't that be a sad state? It doesn't even seem like a real Hall of Fame if these guys with Hall of Fame numbers don't get in because of political beliefs. And it's happened or already. Whatever. It'd be awful. Be awful. Or they, they, they don't even like talking to the journalists. We'll get you one day, Albert Bell. We'll get you one day. You know what? They need to get rid of all of these baseball writers and have a fresh crop of people come in with fresh ideas and fresh minds. Totally agree. And I think they've gotten rid of some of the people who vote uh, for whatever the reason, however they get rid of them. But remember the guy from Boston, I think, a few years ago who didn't vote for Derek Jeter in the Hall of Fame. And he admitted that he was a little biased as a Red Sox guy, and that's awful. How could you not vote for him? I think he didn't vote for him in the first ballot, something like that. So it wasn't unanimous for Jeter, something like that. It might have been even Mariano. Uh, I think Mariano did get in unanimously, but it's, you, you're holding your personal feelings towards somebody as whether you're going to vote for them or not. That's right. awful. I mean, I think, and I think O.J. Simpson should be in because what he did on the field, you can't. Well, he was already in. Yeah, he was. They shouldn't take him out. These guys, as far as not voting or voting them in, if you judge what you're supposed to judge, which is their play on the field, how could you deny any of those guys? Now, if you're saying they cheated, that's one thing. But if you don't like them, and you don't, you know, if you're, if you're, you, I mean, like a Derek Jeter as an example, that they should, they should lose their their right to vote. They really should. I know you said that as well. I wish they would do more on that on that end because that's really awful. Yeah, it's. Uh, it, <laughs> and and why do why are these guys voters for so long? They should go out and find a but a few guys, and you know what? You're a voter this year, one time, and we're going to move on to other media people, and just go in rotation. 
uh, your chance to be a voter will come up again in six years, something like that. That's not bad. Well, That's it makes sense. Give somebody no. else a chance. Give somebody else a chance. All right, uh, let's see. Before we get another traffic update, Mike is calling in at 808-296-1420. What up, Mike? Hey, Albert Bell. I love the dude because, obviously, I love the Indians. But he had a little bit of a checkered past. Uh, I think some kids egged his house for uh, Halloween. Yeah, he that's came out and he tried to run him over with his car. <laughs> I mean, he was a tough dude. I love my favorite, though, is this guy, Vina, was the second baseman for uh, Milwaukee uh, Brewers. And Albert apparently didn't slide hard, trying to break up the double play. The ne- and Hargrove got in his chase. The next play, Vina caught the ball, and Albert Bell forearm shivered him and laid him out cold. And going to second base and he goes that good enough i mean bell was a mean son of a guy i I remember the The egging story yeah the the other thing gary is uh how do you think west virginia became a state it succeeded from virginia oh really i did not know that yeah civil war it it, it decided to stay with, with the union well, that's a little bit different versus, uh, than what's going on in Oregon and Idaho, though. But that's a good point, though. But it's a little hey, different, though, isn't it? Hey, have yeah. you ever been to Portland lately? I was there over the summer. I don't blame them for seceding from that state. Portland Why? is a disaster. Is it crime? Uh, I mean, crime, homelessness, uh, drugs, uh, graffiti. It's a, it's a, a, I mean, it's, I went down there to get some donuts. I thought I had to get uh, to have armed guards down there. Man. I mean, hey, Mike, I, mean, I hear you. I hear you. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for calling Thanks. in. I was talking to somebody who just came back from San Francisco, and the, the, the mayor there, I guess, makes it, I don't know if it's the mayor or whoever it is, but, uh, like, for shoplifting or stealing, they uh, you, don't, you don't really get punished anymore. Same in you, New York. You, if you, you might be taken into, into custody. But they release you right away, and I don't know why. Maybe the prisons are full or whatever. It's the no bail reform rule. If it's not a violent crime with a certain weapon or a guest, you're allowed. Right. To, you just get released with no bail, so right. you just have to show up whenever. Until people don't care, it happens in New York and in San Francisco. All those people just going in the store, taking whatever, and you're not going to arrest them because if you arrest, I mean, if you try to arrest them or stop them, you touch them, they can sue you. So the people aren't yeah. even stopping these criminals from shoplifting. Well, not cities. the people. Don't say oh. the people. The yeah. police. So yeah. the police are saying, well, why am I going to arrest this guy exactly. and have to deal with it? They're just going to be out in an hour. Yep. So now you basically you are going somewhere, and somebody went. Oh, I don't know where they went. They parked. Uh, a friend of mine I was talking to, they parked their car, and he didn't really you know, get what they were talking about at first. And I don't know where they were going. They went somewhere, and they, the guy says, Boy, I hope, sure hope our windows aren't bashed in when we get back to the car. He was serious. He's like, what do you mean? And then they explained it. Yeah. So that's just the tip of things. It's crazy. I, I can see why somebody's like, why these uh, counties in Oregon are like, hey, you know what? We love living here. We love our county. We don't like Oregon. We're joining Idaho. You know what? We'll make our own state. Greater Idaho. That's what we'll call it. And you think that is some kind of storybook or some novel. But no, this is what's happening today on Election Day. People are voting to leave Oregon, <laughs> leave the county, and join someone else's state. My goodness. It's 18 minutes out. That wasn't even a top headline. Uh, more coming up here on ESPN. 
Honolulu will get back into a Rainbow Warrior football. They've got Utah State coming up. Uh, what's it going to take to win? We'll talk about that coming up on ESPN Honolulu. Remember now, on Wednesdays at 8 a.m., it's the Rivals Fantasy Football Show brought to you by Rivals Waikiki and the Waikiki Malia Buyout Rigger. Uh, we'll have some great prizes and a great guest tomorrow again, 8 o'clock, ESPN Honolulu. Hey, I call Bulai on the weather forecast. I call Bulai right now. So it's going to be mostly cloudy today. I'm going to make an executive decision and uh, change that to uh, partly cloudy maybe later. That's the official forecast here on ESPN. <laughs> the official Chris Hart you, forecast. That's right. You know how I can tell? I got a window. Huh? <laughs> yeah. No Doppler needed here. I got a window. It's partly cloudy. That's all. Go outside and enjoy the day. All right, uh, University of Hawaii football team is uh, not favored to win this game against Utah State. The Aggies are 11.5-point favorites this Saturday. I guess that, that part isn't a surprise, especially with what Hawaii did last week, even though that was on the road, and Fresno State probably a better team right now than Utah State. Utah State has played better of late. They're a team that only averages 20 points a game. They let up about 29 points a game. But with Hawaii struggling, I mean, they, they did make progress. They showed signs of improvement for that stretch. Uh, but the last couple of games, maybe not as much. And I thought Wyoming, they played okay, just couldn't finish that game. And they got that late touchdown to make it closer, but they were tied at the half of that game. It seems like every three or four games this season, you have the New Mexico State or the Fresno State game where it really gets away from you. Now, Fresno State's a good team. Still, for it to be down, them to be down 31 nothing at halftime, 55 nothing in the fourth quarter, I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. I hope that getting supposedly, we'll find out officially in a few days, Jonah Pinoke back will help at uh -huh. least a little. I don't know if that makes a difference in winning or losing, but the threat of him and Zion Bowen for the deep routes and you have some guys underneath, uh, hopefully that will bode well for the passing game and maybe maybe get a higher percentage than 50 to 55% completion percentage because it very rarely, I don't think we've had a game <laughs> over 60%. Hey, you know what? I'm hoping for 55. That would be an improvement. It hey, we, we completed 55% of our passes. Now, not all of it is on Braden Shager, I'll tell you that much. Right. You know, there are a number of drops in these last couple of games. I don't get it. Um, but at the same time, obviously, there are people who text in uh, to the fans' voice or people like Gary Dickman commenting that they would like to see, say, Cam and Cooper get a shot at it. I don't think you do that. I think you got to stick with Shager because he's the best quarterback you have. And, again, you're not playing for a bowl game. You're playing to have these guys work together, and hopefully he, he has you got to get as many snaps under the run-and-shoot concept. Didn't say run-and-shoot. Under the run-and-shoot concept as you can heading into next season because this is a learning period right now for everybody. That's where we're at. Yeah. So – by putting Cam and Cooper out there, you don't help anything. I don't think he gives you a better chance to win 
if he can't even win the starting job in practice. Okay, what I practice. said about what I said about we talking Cooper, about practice. If you you said you said the coaches don't know what they're doing. I didn't get quote out unquote. Of here. I said you don't know what you're doing. No, what I said about Cam <laughs> Cooper is that I can, I wish he would have played in the fifty-five nothing deficit at the time. Not that he would start, but at that point of the game in the fourth quarter, I, I wondered why they didn't go to a backup. And I think Yellen has already had a chance give Cam Cooper some playing time. He played like two series. Uh, either against Vanderbilt or Western Kentucky, and that's it this year. I'd like to see him get a chance at a blowout. Oh. The, uh, you sound disappointed I I, that I said that. <laughs> no, I, I think what, you, but what you're looking at is you don't. Try, you need Shager out there as, for as many snaps as you can. Yes, I agree that's with that. That's all. That's yeah. all. Cam and Cooper, you're not good enough to play. That's all. But in a 55 hey, thank nothing, you for your efforts in practice. But a 55-0 game, if you're not going to play, then you're never going to play. And, and why not at that yeah. point? Because you need to, because you're, what I just said, because you're, 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 you're coaching towards next season already. But would two drives take a lot out of Shager's progress or improvement? I guess. I don't know. I'm not a division one head football coach and obviously neither are you. But you're giving the answers. And I know what you mean. I know what you say makes sense. <laughs> I, I just wish at that point, maybe you give, I'm not saying he should start or anything. Shager's got to start. Well, what about yelling no you know what he started before and you know i i I really thought he'd be better than this he unfortunately doesn't deserve another opportunity to to play unless there's something drastic happening i think ham cooper deserves a shot over joey yellen would you agree with that if they're gonna put somebody i've never seen i've seen cam cam and cooper play in the spring game that was like in march and but he had a couple of passes. Woohoo! But you've seen Joey Yellen in regular season games, and he's he hasn't right. been woohoo, woohoo. He has been, he hasn't been good. So I don't think if you're going to put another quarterback in, it should be Yellen. If you're going to put, you put another quarterback in, my point is you don't put in another quarterback. Let's go to the text line, uh, the Zephyr Insurance text line, eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. Somebody texted in and said. Shager doesn't flash at all, though. So I'm guessing it means, you know, Shager's not very good either. No. But does is he the best quarterback on the team? Yes. Is he the guy with the most experience on the team? Heading into next year, will he be the best quarterback on your roster? You have a high school kid that's verbally committed from Punahou School. If that sticks, is Kiave Sangapolutelli better than Braden Shager? I don't know the answer to that. Nobody has the answer until he actually proves it in practice, but I think he'll have a shot. But a I legitimate trust the shot. coaches. Unlike you, I trust the coaches. So do I. I don't think I know more than the coaches. I don't either, but it's okay to wonder. That's what I'm saying. It's okay to wonder. But, I, I again, I think for Cooper, he does, again, if, in a blowout, I think you get kind of get that chance. So I just want to say that about about that. Let's go with some more text here. And this is uh, Aloha, uh, Aloha, guys, with all the talent in baseball. Why aren't we taking more talent in Hawaii? I'm wondering if he means for the University of Hawaii. Uh, but I think Rich Hill has gotten more local guys to stay. We actually had a game last year where every starter was a local player. So I'm, I'm wondering if that's what you mean by that, by taking more talent in Hawaii. Uh, but thank you for that. Uh, Jerry texted him, talking about the Hall of Fame voting, voting in the balloting, saying this vote is not by the baseball writers. And I just lost the text because Chris linked onto it. Thank you for that, Chris. <laughs> It said, oh, really? We can't look at a text at the same time? No, when you hit the link, it, it got erased from the top of my text. 
Peck. So. This vote is not by the baseball writers. It's by the Veterans Committee, so it's an entirely different group of voters, Gary, you dumbhead. That's what Jerry wrote. Why would Kurt Schilling be by the Veterans Committee unless he didn't get enough votes because he hasn't been retired that long to be – what what it said what the description of this of these players is that they have played they have been uh, contributing contributing to the game since 1980. These are players only since 1980. I didn't think okay. that was a veterans committee because again no, no, no. this is okay. Let me clear this up. It's okay. a 16 person committee. Yeah. It consists of Hall of Fame players, baseball executives, and veteran sports writers. They're going to vote on the players December 4th. And a player must receive 12 votes to be elected. Okay. But again, okay, so the, it's a little bit of everything. There are some sports writers on there. But the final list are the have the uh, the candidates are among players whose most significant career impact occurred since 1980. And you can't be on the ineligible list. But that doesn't seem like it would be a veterans committee because it's only after 1980, which I guess was 42 years ago. But still, that's surprising. All right, uh, we got a special guest. His name is Kalani Takase. Let's talk some high school football as we get to tournament time. That's coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, we'll have a surf update in a second here. And want to let you know, Call the Coach is happening. It's Call the Coach with Timmy Chang tomorrow, 6 p.m., Ruby Tuesday, Hawaii. Be there. Aloha. And now is the time for Gary to have some lame joke about the Dodgers to Kalani Takase. Go ahead, Gary. I haven't said anything about the Dodgers because then the comeback would be how about the Mets, so I keep quiet about that. Baseball, you know, <laughs> we don't go that far. But we are happy that Kalani Takase from ScoringLive.com is joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline. A little bit of a layoff with no high school football last weekend. Seemed kind of strange, but it does get back in the uh, state tournament this week. And I know, Kalani, you and a lot of fans have been talking about the big game on Friday Lahaina Luna and Iaea in Lahaina. We're going to have that broadcast on CBS 1500 at about 7 p.m. Is that maybe the best first round matchup you can see in these playoffs? Uh, yeah, I think I would say so, Gary. I think um, I think that's pretty fair to say. Um, I think uh, both of these Division One uh, first round games are kind of a contrast in styles, um, and Iaea Lahaina Luna certainly um, fits that bill. Uh, Lahaina Luna and Kapa'a, two teams who love to run the football. Um, and Lahaina Luna might be a little better equipped to throw the football than, than Kapa'a is. Um, but I, I think they're largely going to try and rely on that run game um, with a multitude of backs that they have. And I think Kapa'a, it's the same way. Um, as far as Iaea, it, it's going to come down to stopping that Lahaina Luna run game, you know, and, uh, and getting their defense off the field, getting the ball back to hopefully a healthy Ezekiel Ole and that offensive side of the ball. Um, this Lahaina Luna offense has been averaging over 255 rushing yards per game, Whoa. nearly 35 points, nearly 30 points per game. Um, and I, uh, on the flip side, they've been uh, allowing about 77 yards per game rushing defensively. And so I think that's what it's going to come down to um, in this matchup over in uh, West Maui Friday night. Is Oli, com- is Oli coming back? Uh, we don't know. I, I think, uh, I think, Aea is optimistic that they'll have him back. Um, it looked to be a shoulder injury of some some sort uh, last week, but uh, hopefully they'll have him back. They'll definitely um, bolster their chances with him back there. 
seems Lahaina Loon has been a mainstay in the state tournament over the years, but IA is fairly new to this. What has happened there where they've really been able to turn this around uh, lately and really being a team that's competing for the championship like last year and this year? Yeah, uh, well, they they have kind of, it's coming, it comes in waves, right? Um, you know, these cycles uh, of talent, um, kids that stay home at their home schools, certainly a lot of talent has left uh, that IA district over the years to various schools. Um, and what they've done uh, in recent years is they've been able to keep those kids home. Hmm. Um, I think a lot of credit has to go to their uh, defensive coordinator, Mika Lee, who has been oh. integral in um, in putting together their uh, youth program along with the support of their longtime head coach, of course, uh, Wendell Say. Um, but, you know, that, that youth program, the JPS program that they have, that's gone a long way to keeping kids home. They learn the same system, uh, all the same terminology. And you look at the season that they had last year, they might have surprised some teams um, coming up with the first-year starting quarterback. Uh, and they were a lot of underclassmen last year when they won the OA championship. They bring back all of those guys in the receiving core. Uh, they're, they're really solid on, on both uh, lines of scrimmages, the offensive line and defensive line. And um, I think that's that's gone a long way toward their success this year. I remember uh, Mika Li'ili'i from the famed Hawaii Hammerheads. That was way before your time. I think you were a child when the Hammerheads were playing. <laughs> but, uh, no, he was awesome. He was awesome. I wonder if the pandemic had something to do with it, too, with more kids going to public school rather than private maybe as well? Uh, perhaps. I think potentially, yeah, there's there's probably some, some truth to that as well. Um, but, but uh, you know, they – you know, you look at the Rouse brothers, uh, the two uh, six foot six, thirty-five uh, year old looking men on either side <laughs> of the, the, the line for that IA team, and they they have full on beards, and you hear them talk, and they're they're really cerebral guys. It's really impressive. I watched the wow. segment on them on uh, Cover Two, and um, you look. I remember going out to IA practice at the before last season in the summer in July, and those guys stuck out like sore thumbs. I said, Coach, Coach, when? I said, Who are those guys? He said, that's the Rouse brothers. The, you know, you look at them, they're super raw. Dad is no-nonsense military guy, brings them to practice, doesn't say anything, but just watches them the whole time. And you, wow. there's no wonder why these kids just develop into the, the you know, great left tackle and, and defensive end that they are now. Just the, the, These guys have put in the work, and I think they're uh, really, you know, a microcosm or symbolic of, of the, the mindset that this uh, team has kind of embraced. Kind of like the Kalmatulis at uh, one time, right? It's like just one after another. Uh, we're talking with Kalani Takase from ScoringLive.com via the Aloha Kia hotline. Didn't one of them get an offer at Ohio State? Do you know if he's committed there or anywhere else? Oh, uh, I don't. I think that was uh, Preston Taumua, actually, one of their other offensive linemen. Um, I believe he got an <laughs> offer from Ohio State and I believe Florida. He's a junior, and, yeah, he's a, he's a stud. He's one to watch for sure. So you got the Rouse brothers and this Ohio State guy. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's great to see. Love it. Love it. The other game is Waipau and Kapaha, as you mentioned. And I heard you talking the other day about Kapaha. They had, a, I guess, a, a preseason game or a scrimmage against St. Louis earlier this year. It looked pretty good. Had one loss that was a little surprising to people on Kauai. Talk about this team that we always hear about at this time of the year and has been pretty successful in the state tournament as well in Kapaha. Right, this Kapa team, they always kind of fly under the radar all year and then they kind of emerge, you know, this time of the year. Um, and, and they're always a force, right, especially defensively. I think that's the case again this year. I got to see them against this IA, against that IA team um, back in August 6th. And granted, I think both teams are very different. Uh, but Kapa, you know, thinking back on that IA matchup, 
they they're moving up from Division Two to Division One, right? And they they were going to challenge themselves with IAEA and then St. Louis the week after. And I was really kind of thinking that Mike Tressler and this Kapow team was going to come out and try and try different stuff, you know, come out, throw the football with their senior quarterback, and and, and that didn't happen in that IAEA game. And they fell behind quickly. Uh, they they continued to try and run the football, and then um, you know when they were really kind of forced to throw it, they they weren't very successful at that. And so. You know, and then the, the next week they took their 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 uh, lickings against St. Louis, um, but I think you know they, they've come around a lot since then. I think they're largely going to rely on their run game as they have over the years and their defense um, against this Waipahu team. Uh, again, you know their their original starting quarterback uh, JJ Manu, he's out for the year, right? He's a senior. Uh, they had another senior, Liatamo Uiliata, kind of fill in from wide receiver quarterback, and then now they have a freshman, Elijah Mendoza, who's filled in. Um, at quarterback there. And so I expect this Kapaa team to, to, to load the box, bring lots of pressure against Elijah Mendoza, um, and force force him to kind of beat them with their arm, with his arm. Kalani, I want to ask you about the open division games that will be coming up a week from Friday. Campbell and Kahuku and Punahou at Mililani, both of those games at Mililani. Does the layoff affect either team? Does it give either team an advantage or disadvantage? Because they're going to be off for several weeks, obviously, before they play next week. Uh, well, potentially, I mean, I think the teams that are a little more banged up, yes. Um, I think it could potentially benefit uh, someone like Kai Kai Carvalho, who, you know, he's come back, you know, a few weeks ago and they've slowly, slowly, slowly been easing him in. His first game back, he just, he stood out there for a punt. He didn't field it. uh, And then he maybe caught one or two passes. um, And then they've kind of been easing him in. um, And so... Um, I think for him, it could potentially benefit him. I think for a guy like Keeney McMillan, the Milanani quarterback who's coming off of a knee injury, um, could potentially you know benefit him just having a little more time to heal before he has to face this Punho defense. Do you see any potential upsets either this week or the upcoming weeks as far as the first round matchups in each uh, conference, each, each uh, tier for uh, Division One, Division Two, or the Open? Well, um, opens off this week, so I guess we'll start with Division Two, uh, which, you know, the, the bracket is interesting, right? Because I think the seeding, no, no, I don't think anyone really expected the seeding to be what it was with, with King K, the MIL champion, uh, as the one seed, and Honoka'a, uh, the BIF champion, as the number two seed. Um, and so it kind of makes for these interesting matchups in week one. Nanakuli Pack 5 uh, out in Nanakuli Friday night. Nanakuli is a team that uh, has establish itself at least among the OIA division two teams as the clear cut uh, top team. Um, they, they can, they can run, they can pass, they play solid defense. And so it's going to be a test for this pack five team. I'd be surprised if uh, Nana Cooley doesn't defend its home turf Friday night. Um, the other matchup is a little bit interesting because this Waimea team, you know, we don't, we don't know a whole lot about them. We haven't been able to see them. They went to, to Maui in the non-league portion and they beat King Kekaulike at King, King Kekaulike. Um, and then, you know, they beat Kapa'a in their first matchup of the of the KIF regular season. Uh, fr- Friday, or excuse me, Saturday's game is going to be 1 p.m. at Hanape, Hanapepe Ballpark out in West, you know, the west side of Kauai. That, that's going to make for difficult conditions for that Kaiser team. You know, uh, I think it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, they haven't played any afternoon games this season. And so having to play out there at Waimea at 1 o'clock in the afternoon against a team that they probably don't know a whole lot about, um, that, that could make for a potentially interesting matchup. I think if uh, Waimea's defense is able to kind of keep them in it, 
limit, you know, those big scores from Kaiser, those big plays from Kaiser, um, and, and special teams plays, um, control some of those uh, controllables, so to speak, you know, not let Makana and Aleha go off on them. Um, I think Waimea can hang in there. It might make for an interesting uh, first-round matchup there in Division Two, uh, And then Division One. I, I think, you know, I, I, I would think the two OIA teams, um, you know, especially Waipahu, I think Waipahu being on their home field, uh, you know, unless Kapa is able to, you know, uh, get some big plays, get some turnovers, um, unless they're able to get some pressure against that freshman quarterback, I would think Waipahu should be able to pull it out there. And Lahaina Luna IA, I think, could go either way, to be honest. Um, you know, it's going to be tough for IA to go up there and, uh, and and win at Lahaina Luna Sudi Kuli Stadium. That's a great atmosphere. It's, uh, you know, it's it's entrenched there in West Maui. And so IA is going to be going into the Lions then, you know, Friday night. And, of course, the winners will get the Waipahu Kapaha winner will get Iolani and Konawina, number two seed, gets the winner of Lahaina Luna and Iaea. Uh, that should be fantastic as well. we got the neighbor island schools doing well. It's playoff time. Everything's uh, full scale, ready to go. No restrictions. Should be a fun few weeks of col- uh, high school football. Kalani, thanks again for joining us and talking high school football. Which game are you going to this week? I am uh, actually I have, I have a wedding <laughs> this weekend Saturday night, uh, but I'll oh. be doing some uh, rewrites of a couple oh. of games from uh, who, from my, who, from the wedding. <laughs> who who are you marrying this time around? <laughs> yeah. uh, my 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 wife's uh, cousin Gina is getting married to, to her uh, fiance George, and we're very much looking forward to celebrating their their love. Awesome. Way to go, George and Gina. 100%. Way to go, baby. Kalani, thank you so much. Good. Uh, we'll talk to you later. Thank you, Kalani. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. All right. All right. Kalani Takase on the Aloha Kia hotline. Aloha Kia. See ya in a Kia. Uh, by the way, uh, the uh, quarterfinals, uh, Iea and Lahaina Luna, can be heard on CBS 1500 Friday at 7 o'clock. And um, speaking of uh, it's election day, and if you're uh, out and about and you want to be uh, listening to election coverage, we've got national coverage starting with the CBS Evening News at 1.30, followed by uh, CBS News Special Reports, the midterm elections. And then at 7 o'clock, it's uh, local election coverage from KHON2. So election coverage from 1.30 to about 11 tonight on CBS 1500. It's 8.48, and uh, every time Hawaii uh, football goes on the road, we invite you to go down to a uh, select big city diner location and uh, join the Countdown to Kickoff crew for some uh, lively uh, sports talk, all to get you ready for the show. they got prize giveaways. You can enter to win a trip for two to Las Vegas from Vacations Hawaii, and uh, it's just good fun. So uh, big city diner, be listening for which big city diner they'll be at in a couple of weeks from ESPN Honolulu. Kachi Kachi Music Makawao Right, well, we want to say congratulations to America's newest billionaire. And it's not Kanye, or it's not Ye. No, Who is, is America's not. newest billionaire? Obviously, we don't know the name, right? All we know is that somebody, a lucky Californian, 
is the lone winner, the one person to get the Powerball record-breaking $2.04 billion jackpot. With a B. B. Billion. And what I don't understand is that it was at 1.6 billion people. They had another drawing. Everybody was flocking to buy tickets. Like 1.3 billion wasn't enough. You had to wait for it to get to 1.6 before you bought the tickets. I wonder if people bought more tickets. They right? did. What it, that's what it was. For the last week, it kept going up and up. <laughs> wow. Look at that. I'm a billionaire. What's the cash buyout? Does it say? seven? I believe when it was at 1.9, you would get $787 million in a lump sum. Seven hundred million. Seven hundred eighty-seven. I think it was at one point nine uh, billion. So it's a little bit more now because it went up. So total. what if you won a billion dollars? What if you didn't want to take the lump sum? How do they pay you? Tw- over twenty-nine years. I don't remember what the yearly amount was, but it's over twenty-nine years for life. That's what they. Uh, but somehow they based it on twenty-nine years. So, but see, how many people? If if you're not sure you're going to live twenty-nine years. You know, people our age are going to take the lump sum. Of course, where do you draw that line? Even if you're forty. I mean, you're taking a chance because if, if you don't live 29 years, well, you're not getting I don't know what happens to it, but I'd rather get it all while I'm alive. <laughs> Man. All right. Uh, so uh, that, so what do they do with the what, what do they do with all of this money raised? Does it go to a public education? That it, goes kind of to, stuff? it goes to the state, and I, I think they can use it for education or whatever, schools, whatever they have to um, use it for. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so it's a win-win. Hey, if it's a win-win, how come we don't have one here? Hmm. hmm. Well, it's election day, and uh, there are on the ballot, you, you know, the folks that sent in your ballot, uh, there are things that we got to vote on, like, I don't know, something about property taxes going to something. Just put it on there. <laughs> yeah. Just put it on there. Legalize sports betting via an app for the state of Hawaii. Then we won't have, do stupid things like let our stadium rot, right? Yep. Yep. Sorry, can't do anything. We don't have any money. Well, there's a reason you don't have any money, and other states do. Yeah. You, it you works. Know, have a lottery. Have some, Legalize it. Oh, the, it's going to go, you know, make a society bad, and there's going to be homeless people. Really? More than we already have? 48 states have it. Maybe you could have girls' locker rooms in certain high schools, air conditioning and others. Kind of, kind of the basic. <laughs> the basics. Yeah. Oh, no. But not in our state. Not <laughs> in our state. Oh, boy. Let's just have things like a rail that will take a lifetime to complete because we don't have enough money. Yeah. Let's raise the excise tax so we can build a rail and just keep messing that up. Our, our stadium fell apart before our eyes. But, hey! At least we live in paradise and we don't have organized gambling. Right. Let's make the cost of living really high and homes super unaffordable for people so that you have to live in these mega houses. If you're a young person, you will never be able to afford a house here. Let's vote for that. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That's a negative way to end the radio show. (laughs) All right. uh, Let's see. What's on the docket here? Let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy is coming up at 12 noon. Uh, Josh Pacheco is at 3 o'clock. And remember, election coverage starting from 1.30 all the way to like 11 tonight on CBS 1500. So we will see you tomorrow uh, bright and early at 6 a.m. here on the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Uh, Gary, say goodnight, everybody. Goodnight, everybody.